0: radio? Yes, talk radio.
1: So boring, man. Drop back. At the line. Sallow shot is blocked. And Bereson is down for Toronto.
0: He's coming up over the Ottawa line. For Antropov shot blocked. Rebound! For Friday, May 14th, 2021, it's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast, and uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm still James Cole.
2: I am Brutz Battaglia. You can find me on the high button, you can find me on Twitter, and you can find me in uh, my bedroom at my house, because uh, it's where I've been for about 14 months
0: now. And we you're going to have uh, another... Few weeks uh, to go on top of that. Uh, yeah, I've, your-
2: I've I've given up. I'd, I'm not planning to leave ever again.
0: I'd, I don't care anymore. Wow, Gives a shit. Wow, what would what would be like the big the big purchase that you would make? Like say say in a week from today, they said like you could you could never leave your house again. What what's the one thing you'd have to go out and buy to like make sure that you had aside from like essentials in terms of food and stuff? Like what's what's like what would be my big splurge? Has? Yeah. Um. So
2: I, d- I don't live in an air conditioned house. And okay, yeah. it's 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 really it's really kind of affordable if you look into central air James. It's really it's really affordable when the salesman wow. explains it to you a certain way. So like that that's pretty high on the list but uh it'd be a hot tub. Come on, who are we kidding here? I'd get a hot tub for sure. Uh, if I can't leave my premises anymore, I think I'd be fine if I had a hot tub.
0: That's a really good answer
2: you know what i mean I like, like it, it it, it kind of gets you out of the house in a way yeah. um you know you can do it at night under the stars and you're still warm um you know and it's it's uh my my thought has always been you know it's a, it's a good like uh it's a good getaway from your own house while you're at home so i i would go hot tub
0: i like that that's good yep you what do you think uh you know what? I like that I asked the question and had no answer ready to go. That's uh, that's fine.
2: The good news is uh, it doesn't sound like that's going to be a scenario. Uh, they haven't let on the fact that we're <laughs> going to be locked down forever. Although it does they? feel that way. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. No, that, that's that's the better thing is just keep stringing me along and giving me false hope every two weeks. That's fucking.
0: That's way better. That's really great. Yeah, speaking of stringing guys along with giving <laughs> false hope, I guess we should talk about uh, Jack Eichel.
2: Oh uh, wow! Yeah, well, <laughs> did they string him along, or is that his own fault for trusting Terry Pagula, Right?
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, no, you're right. It was a good segue. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jack Eichel. Uh, we, we've we've talked about him. Uh, I'm sure, probably every second episode this season. <laughs> it, it seems like this guy's always in the news. Um, yeah, it's a shame, but. Uh, between him and Tom Wilson, that's like 90% of our content. You just yeah. call us the Jack and Tom show and probably still be okay. Yeah. I think someone else made that same joke, actually, that I'm saying that out loud. So yeah, I, I that, probably should have made that, that joke.
2: That was uh, almost word for word a puck soup joke this week, but that's fine.
0: <laughs> Living in my subconscious, for that's sure. On that.
2: fine, one. whatever. I've, I sort of feel like our lawyers are not going to meet their lawyers, so.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you have lawyers? That's, that's
2: what I'm getting at. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess we kind of do if we need one. Yeah. Uh,
0: I hope Jack Eichel has one. Cause he's, uh, he's looking for a, a fresh start. He, uh, he and the Buffalo Sabres apparently uh, not seeing eye to eye, specifically considering the injury that, uh, that, that he um, uh, had happened to him this season uh, in which uh, it sounds as though he's looking to get, uh, you know, some, some more medical advice, uh, as best to proceed with his spine. I think it's something to do with his spine, one of the vertebrates uh, or discs or something. I'm, I'm not really a doctor. Discs in his neck,
2: I believe. Discs is what what They neck. are herniated yeah, discs. that's the one.
0: So he's looking to have some some procedure done that's, uh, by the sounds of things, pretty, you know, cutting-edge experimental. Could go bad, but I guess that's the risk with any surgery, and the Buffalo Sabres are, are not uh, impressed with that uh, decision. To, uh, to go that route. And this, of course, is their star player. This is the guy that, you know, the captain of the franchise, the, the marquee player that the fans pay to come see. And without him, um, I guess they'd be worse than they are, which is hard to do, but technically would be true. So I, I, I again, I know we've talked about Jack Eichel in the past and all about the, the stuff about, you know, where's he going to go if he was to be traded. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Jack Eichel and... You know, the circumstance in, involving the injury specifically, I guess, the big picture here about athletes and their teams and, and how best to, to care for themselves. Like, do, do you think that there's room for the Buffalo Sabres to have uh, ground in this argument or should this 100 percent be Jack Eichel's decision?
2: Like, are you talking about ethically or in this particular scenario based on the rules in the CBA?
0: I, I guess within the sport. Because ethically, okay. yeah, everyone should have their own. Yeah, yeah, like like
2: ethically, uh, that's batshit insane that the Sabres can tell Jack Eichel what he can or can't do with his body. Um, you know, that's... Uh, I think they call that human rights. Um, for sure. So, I think it's one of those so things, that, though... Like so in the, that's not good, but... <laughs>
0: like, like, to kind of frame it, I guess, is, like, if Jack Eichel woke up tomorrow and was like, oh, I'm going to amputate my leg, and the Buffalo Sabres was like, we don't think you should do that, um, because then you can't play hockey for us. Like, I, I can... I can see wow. in that scenario why Buffalo should have some rooting interest in the conversation. Yeah, and then if he does that, they can go. Well, sorry, we wash our hands of you, and we don't have to pay you your contract anymore. Uh, a bit extreme, of course, that example. But yeah, I was going to say, I feel a conversation like, there.
2: I feel like that's a mental disorder where there's there is like a <laughs> thing where you have the need to or the the impulse to like amputate <laughs> parts of your body. And so, uh, at that, at that stage, yeah, I would hope the Buffalo Sabres would intervene. Um, but, uh, like within the confines of the sport and like they, they probably, they probably should have some say, but I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know if that should be worked into a contract that that's, uh, like, I get it from the Sabers' perspective. I, I hate to come on here and say this on back-to-back weeks where everyone probably thought I was going to come on and be like, ah, they should send fucking Tom Wilson to Guantanamo Bay last week, and I never did. And now this week I'm coming on, and normally this would be the spot where I tell the Sabres to go fuck themselves, and I'm not really. Like, I completely get uh, where they're coming from here. Um, I understand that if it's a risky procedure that they're worried about maybe what what could happen here. I'm not really so sure that I buy that. That's completely, completely what's going on, though. <laughs> uh, it sounds to me that the Sabers uh, uh, don't want to pay for the surgery and the rehab. They'd rather just pay for the rehab. And uh, like I, I, I sort of think that this might be a situation where the Sabers' cheapness is coming into play, where maybe they're not getting the best medical advice possible, and Jack Eichel maybe is getting a better opinion, and and um, the Sabers are just gonna go with what they're being told, because uh, quite frankly, I think they're all kind of dumb there. Yeah, like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I completely buy the, what's going on, but regardless, like, if, if that's the story we're being presented, is it right? I don't know that it's right, but, you know, to your point, like, you, you can't have guys running around doing things that could possibly cost, cost you return on your investment of $80 million on a hockey player. Like, I understand that. The Sabres are at this point going to promising to pay Jack Eichel $80 million to play hockey. And if he uh, is going to come back and he gets 40 points in 74 games next year because his neck ain't right, like, how, how's that fair to the Sabres? Uh, also, how's that fair to Jack Eichel? Cause he might do that anyway, fully healthy, because that's how bad the Sabres are. So I don't know if there's, there's a lot of things to unpack there. <laughs>
0: um, Yeah. It, you know, I think it's a great question and, and you're right. Like I, I think a lot of us, are working off the assumption that we have all the information and we probably don't. Do we have enough of the information to have an opinion? I think so, but mm-hmm. uh, you're right. It's very much up in the air in terms of, it's of like, what's actually getting out there. But, it's like anything though,
2: right? Like who the hell yeah. knows what goes on behind closed doors until you hear it from enough people. And obviously there aren't a lot of sources on this story yet. So.
0: Yeah. So, but obviously, the, the big the big news that kind of ties into this whole idea is uh, Jack Eichel's comments himself, talking about uh, what next season might look like, and, and specifically the, the, the wording that was along the lines of, of wherever that may be, yeah. insinuating that he might be on the move. Now, um, uh, it's been talked about a lot. He's got a, a no-trade clause that kicks in next summer. Um, so if the Buffalo Sabres are looking to... Uh, make anything happen. They've they've got a short window to do so, uh, by all accounts. Especially when you consider that uh, NHL GMs are only uh, legally allowed to trade at two different times of the year. I don't know if you know this. Uh, you can only make trades at the deadline or at the draft. So That's right. they're running out of opportunities here. Uh, <laughs> you know what but... the you know
2: what the mint part about the trade deadline is? Even is that it's actually not the trade deadline. Like you in you in reality can make trades 365 24 twenty four seven. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's the best part, and they, and no one ever does. It's great.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a great lead. Um,
2: you're going to hear this week for sure. I got a lot great of great opinions about this for week sure. for sure.
0: Yeah. So again, I don't like. We're not going to beat the dead horse, but uh, I did want to point out that uh, I don't know if you if if you read it this week, but the Athletic came out. They did a whole article with other beat writers talking about. Um, you know, would my team be interested in getting Jack Eichel and the overwhelming consensus was that there were, uh, 29 teams that can't or don't, or couldn't afford to get Jack Eichel. And then there was the New York Rangers and then there was the Seattle Kraken and like that was, that was it.
2: (laughs) Ah, yes. The Seattle Kraken and all of their assets.
0: Exactly. They have one now. are the Buffalo Sabres going to leave Jack Eichel unexposed? Uh, who's to say? Here's here's my article. Um, <laughs> That's right. Is this a guy, like, does the injury perhaps scare some teams out of pursuing him in the short term? <sighs> and, and they say, we'll revisit this maybe at the deadline and see how he actually does uh, the first few months of the season. See if he can still play hockey in a year. Or should guys be jumping on this right away? Because to me, you should be calling Kevin Adams yesterday as far as yeah. I'm concerned, but
2: yeah, I mean, look, the, the injury, their injury is one of those things and it's a rare hockey thing for like, when you're a basic fan, this is one issue where I think it is hard for me to even come on and give you an opinion because um, I, I don't, I don't know the full extent of this neck injury. All I do know is that I have back problems and I know how fucked up my back is. And, and in reality, uh, you know, like I know the pain that comes from uh, not herniated discs, but I can only imagine. It sounds like it's a pretty significant injury, is all I'm getting at. And if you're a team that's calling about about Jack Eichel, I don't know how you can't at least think about that. Like that's got to factor in at least to some degree. Um, now, whether or not for me that's uh, you know do we do we not not make the phone call in the first place? Now, no, you got to be batshit insane for this to be like a. Uh, a deal breaker for me you know like that that's nuts i I would rather i would rather see if we can call and and you know see if we can get him at at a slightly reduced price but for me does this decrease his value that much uh it shouldn't and um like it's just bizarre for me to think about the fact that this might be a situation where uh like just the names that are getting thrown out there by teams just being like well we can't trade him and we can't trade him. And you know, like with this guy and that guy, and all of a sudden every team's list is like eight guys long. And these are teams that have been like 500 for like eight, like seven seasons or something. And they're like, Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Keep, keep going with your current plan. It seems to be going well. Like, like this is a league where there's 31 teams and how many teams in the league at this point, or you say, would you say are like legitimate cup contenders? Like upsets are at an all time high. And yet, I feel like the amount of really good teams in the league is at an all time low for the lot, for the salary cap era, because like all the smart teams just have all the really good players. It feels like, and all these like average teams are fucking bad and all the worst teams are really, really bad. And those like 17 or the, what's the math there? Those, uh, 20. Wow. Did I have a stroke? 23 teams. Those are the 23 teams that seem to be like, well, you know, we can't trade Nick Suzuki. So what are we going to do? Get the fuck out of here. You can't trade Nick Suzuki. You haven't had a good centerman since Saku Koivu. Fuck off with Nick Suzuki here. I'm sick of that shit. Um, anyway, that's my long way of saying, yeah, it should have an impact.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, to build off your point, I, I think there's maybe a-, a list of like eight, nine guys across the league that I would deem, you know, untouchable. In, in the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about a deal with, with Jack Eichel, right? See, and even like, for me, that,
2: that list is way longer. But like, sure. when we're talking about trading your number, your top two fucking prospects and a first round pick and all this shit, if that's the price, that's 30 teams should be calling. Trade your top yeah. two fucking prospects. Because unless they're in your lineup right now, Jack Eichel's better than them. So mm-hmm. who gives a shit? Trade them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like I I get the cap thing. Uh, this guy's he's got a cap hit of ten million dollars, and there's just there's just going to be some teams that can't make it happen. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning, what are they right. going to do? Sit a sit a heart Trophy candidate uh, out the entire season and have him come back for the playoffs? That doesn't make any sense. Why would it, Why would a team do that? Uh, the See, Vegas Golden yeah. Knights, what are they going to do? Play with twelve skaters a night? Nah, that that wouldn't make any sense. Why would they do that?
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that is one team where like Vegas is like the one team where it's like. That is a perfect fit, and they're they're legitimately. I don't think is there a single trade that would make sense. Like that is the one team where I think, like even Tampa Bay. You know, not that I would do this, but like if Tampa Bay preferred Eichel over Braden Point, then then trade another three million dollars and fucking trade for Jack Eichel if you think Jack Eichel's better than Braden Point, which I do. But that doesn't mean you need to make that trade, right? Like Tampa does, Tampa's doing just fine. Like they don't they don't need to do that. But like. You know, even even uh, even any other good team. Like if Carolina, if it's Sebastian Aho, well, then make the trade. Like if if you think Eichel's better, then that your job as a general manager is to make your team better. And if you think that he's slam dunk better than Sebastian Aho, then make that trade. Right? I don't,
0: but like. As as a guy, like I'll 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 speak to my team because I think it's really easy for us to sit here and say, "Oh well, you know the Carolina Hurricanes should trade anything." But like, if you're a Hurricanes fan, like you're passionate about those guys, like you you, no, I you, you support those guys, you want them. But to speak, your rosters as a
2: through fan, rose-colored glasses, right? That's why all these sure. franchises come up with you know, seven or eight guys like, you know, like, I don't know if you were, if this is exactly where you're going with it, but like, you know, I understand the Leaf fans being like, well, I wouldn't trade Robertson and Sandine and Rodian Amarov for him. Well, if we could make it work under the cap, yeah, I'd fucking give them away in a heartbeat. I'd I'd buy their fucking bus ticket myself. Get them the fuck out of here. I'll take Jack Eichel over them. But like, that's not an option for us, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. As I was going to say, the only player on that roster that I would not trade for Eichel is Austin Matthews. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I, I would ship out any other player on that roster if it meant getting back Jack Eichel. Now, this is where my question about the neck injury comes into play because is Jack Eichel going to be the same player next season or the season after or the season after we, we mm-hmm. don't know. So I, I understand if, if you're an uh, NHL GM taking a step back for those reasons, but don't tell me that it's because we don't have the the assets or the the desire to, to chase this guy down because your second round pick from twenty eighteen might turn out to be a middle yeah. six guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, like like the the, cra- the craziest one for me, and like I actually don't think sense fans are all that delusional until today on Twitter. But like the whole, like I, I oh man, if it meant giving up uh, one of. One of like Jacob Bernard Docker or uh, Josh Norris. I don't make that trade. Come, come on! Like, how, how good do you really think Josh Norris is going to be? You think Josh Norris can be better than Jack Eichel? I, he looks like he's going to be really good. He looks really good to me. You know who he reminds me of? Logan Couture is Logan Couture better than fucking Jack Eichel? Not even close. Not not in his prime. He wasn't even close to what Jack Eichel is.
0: Yep. Well. We'll have to see how that uh, surgery goes and then maybe we'll uh, have some different opinions on how good Jack Eichel is, but no, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's, you know, it's and, ridiculous.
2: And even to your point too, like going back to it, like you're talking, you're saying like Jack Eichel, there's maybe nine or 10 guys in a league that are better than him. Like I even in his prime, I, or sorry, in his prime when he's healthy is what I meant. Like when he's actually at his best, I don't really know that I actually think Jack Eichel is uh, like insanely good. I think he's like a, for sure, like eight to 15 center in the league for sure. That means that he is better than the first line center on, on about uh, like 75% of the league, basically. Right. They want to do the math again. Eh? Uh, yeah. Well, well just, just, <laughs> just to kind of meet in the middle there. Right. Like, you know, I mean like we're going to, we're going to do this, but like, I, I feel like there isn't a team where I would have two centers, uh, like There isn't a team where Jack Eichel would be the third-line center. There isn't a team in the league that has that problem. Like yeah, you, Some people not, would yeah. make the case for the Leafs. I wouldn't. I, I think he's for sure better than John Tavares at this point. It's not even close for me. Uh, if you want to count Stamkos as a center, I still think uh, Eichel's better than Point and Stamkos. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what the team is where they have, you know what, maybe, what I mean, where maybe, Jack Eichel's maybe Edmonton, not.
0: If is playing center. If you count
2: Dreisaitl as center, yeah. Um, it's it's hard after this season to not say that Dry Seidel's better than Eichel. I, I think it's a lo- I think it's closer than people would admit. But like Seidel makes less money for than Eichel, so like yeah, Edmonton might be the one team. But like also even to that point, you know when we're talking about centers, sure. But Edmonton has uh, McDavid and Seidel. and then uh, present currently have Nugent Hopkins. I don't know how much longer they're going to have him. <laughs> and then their fourth best forward is uh Puyarvi, who's like a probably a third-line winger on most teams. So, yeah, you need Jack Eichel. Like, you're not very fucking good either. Like, they're not a great team. Yeah. If you if your problem is that you want to play dry sidle with McDavid, then you need another centerman. Like, that's the logic, because if you think they're so damn good together, but you have to play them on separate lines because you can't afford, you know, the 40 minutes a night where neither of them are on the ice, then that's a problem. Then you, then you're in the Jack Eichel market.
0: Like, what are we talking about here? It's, it's really hard. Like off the top of my head, I've I've got, I've got six names that I just came up with off the top of my head that I would not trade for Jack Eichel. And, and without digging any deeper than that, I, I don't know, like McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, McKinnon, McCarr, apparently there's an M theme here. I don't know. Um, and, um, and I would throw David Pasternak into that list simply because he does more to fill the Boston Bruins needs than Jack yeah. Eichel does in, in the big scheme. But that's it. Like, those six guys, that's my list uh, without, I, again, sitting down and thinking about it. but I even think Pasternak for
2: Eichel for me is... You could talk me into it. It's probably a wash almost to me. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I could see that going down one for one.
0: Well, to, you know, Jack Eichel aside, the Buffalo Sabres have other players. I don't know if you know about this. Uh, they mm. do have uh, a full 23-man roster most nights. Tell me about um, that. And on their exit interviews, exit interviews, um, two guys made comments that were, you know, worth touching on, I suppose. Of one of which was uh, Risto Ristolainen, uh, who commented that he wouldn't be upset if the team were to trade him. Like, no shit. Like I, I think they want to trade you. I think you want to be traded. I think Sabres fans want you traded. I think most other fans well, Risto, thought man. you'd be traded. Resto is awesome. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, is he? Is he on the move? I, I think he's a free agent this summer.
2: Resto? No, come on. I thought he's. I thought he had like a. I thought he had a lot of term. To be honest with you, I thought he was on like a like a four or five year deal kind of thing. That uh, he's, he was like he's
0: got. He's got one year after this. So really? Eh? Okay. Wow. Crazy. During the last year of his. Uh, How his time contract, flies. I, I don't know. Like that's a guy that I a hundred percent could see the Sabres approaching Ron Francis and saying, look, we won't protect this guy. We'll make him available, but to do so, we want something or you know, kind of, kind of the reverse uh, approach that perhaps uh, you saw with the Vegas Golden Knights. Sure. Like, um, we'll
2: yeah, we'll trade, we'll essentially trade you wrist
0: I could see that happening. If, if Ron Francis is dumb enough to pursue yeah, that, Ristolainen.
2: that's the problem. Is that like this is a team that doesn't exist yet, uh, that has probably already spent more money in the history of their franchise existence than the Buffalo Sabres on analytics. And so, if you're spending money on anal- analytics, uh, there's a lot not to like about Ristolainen, for sure. I, I don't know, like, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's very good for sure, but like. Do I think he's Ristolainen's like a... For. Yeah, like, I do, do I think he's, like, a completely avoid-him type guy? Not necessarily, but but he's a reclamation project, and, and he's a guy... Uh, I don't know why Eichel's this guy, but Ristolainen's a guy where there should be, like, eight teams in the market for him because it kind of has to fit. Like, he's a guy where, like, yeah, like, the Devils could give him ice time, and, like, you know, if, if he had a left-handed... If he shot left-handed, like, he'd be great on the Rangers, but he, but he doesn't, right? Like, there are teams where... Yeah, I don't know. They could use a defenseman, but uh, I get your point. Like, It's actually a good idea for Seattle, but I don't think Seattle's uh, going to be dumb enough to be like, oh, yeah, no, we'll give you a bunch of assets for them. I, I don't see it, but uh, it makes some sense for sure.
0: Uh, leading the Buffalo Sabres in goals and, I believe, points as well. I'm just points as well. Uh, Sam Reinhardt also oh. made waves by uh, stating that Um, he was not happy in Buffalo. Shocking, I know. Um, Yeah, matching a career-high 25 goals in uh, many a fewer games than he did uh, a few seasons ago. Um, Sam Reinhardt, the former second overall pick in 2014. Jack Eichel, obviously going second in 2015. This is just, you know, the complete falling apart of what was once a very promising core. And I look, I, I like Sam Reinhardt. I don't, I don't think he's lived up to expectations by any means. I don't know how much of that involves having to play for the Buffalo Sabres, but I I think he's a very, very good hockey player that would help out just about any team, the second line in the big picture. I, it sounds like this is another guy that's, that's probably going to be finding a new home sooner than later. Um, He's uh, he's due to be an RFA this summer, and does he just sit at home and and say no, thank you, Mister Adams? I'll I'll bide my time. Or uh, hard to blame him. I probably would. I mean,
2: you know, like I'm not saying Sam Reinhardt's bad. Like I think he's good. I think he's a he's a he's a very good uh, second line winger who still has a decent amount of potential. There are a lot of things that I like about his game, but like I don't know. He he he! I don't think has as much of a hill to stand on and be like, well, you know, like you told you were gonna, you told me you were gonna build a team around me, and I've been waiting, and it's like, well, fuck off! Like you weren't very good a lot of the time you've been here, and now now you are good. Like it, it's not, I don't really think that they owe that much to Sam Reinhardt, but I don't think Sam Reinhardt owes them that much either. Like I, I think they're both kind of, you know, they're they're both have reasons to kind of maybe want to split this thing up. Is is kind of what I'm getting at, so. Uh, does he hold out? I don't know if it goes that far, but um, I think he's an easily tradable asset. Probably it's just a matter of what are you getting back, and uh, if you're Kevin Adams, I, I don't think you know the difference. Uh, whatever it is you're getting back, so
0: like it's weird to think of Sam Reinhart as being a, a seven-year vet, but next year will be his eighth NHL season. Good lord, and he's never made the playoffs. He's he's never he's never smelt the playoffs. Never mind been in them. Like by all accounts, this is, this is a guy that I think has paid his dues in Buffalo sure. and deserves the opportunity to look elsewhere. So, um, you know, and the Buffalo Sabres, that's, that's how the, that's how the CB works. That's, that's how contracts work. Like they don't have to move them if they don't want to, but he doesn't have to sign it if he doesn't want to either. So I don't know. I, I would, I'd be in his corner in, in terms of sitting out if, if he wanted to, I think that's completely reasonable. And, um, you know what? If, if he goes elsewhere and, and he can't hack it, then the Buffalo Sabers can sleep well at night. But I don't know. I'd I'd like to see what this guy could do on a team that actually has more than what two NHL forwards.
2: Although I made the Eichel to Edmonton uh, argument there, uh, I think this is a perfect fucking guy for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, uh, uh, perfect, perfect. He's played with McDavid. Uh, like he he a playmaking winger, which is kind of a rare one, especially if he got Drysital as his center. Like that's kind of nice um, I, I, I like it. Like, I think that's just kind of a natural fit. So I, I, I would like to see that, but, um, you know, like again, with the whole, are there, how many teams have two right wingers better than Sam Reinhart? Like the Leafs come to mind, uh, Vegas, Vegas, maybe, maybe probably, probably not actually. So yeah, I don't know. Like he, he makes most teams top six, you know,
0: you know, the Oilers have a deep and rich history with Reinhardt, so I definitely mm, see the option right. there to, to, go. to bring him in and, and, and make go, a, baby. a case. case. All right, I guess there's no easy way to segue this, but I'm going to try it anyway. The Buffalo Sabres, uh, we just talked about them. Uh, obviously, the, the city of Buffalo, Patrick Kane, is from Buffalo. Patrick Kane plays for the Chicago Blackhawks. to win the Stanley Cup in 2010. Uh, he was uh, in some allegations made years ago, and we have new allegations that ah. don't involve Patrick Kane, but due of all the Chicago Blackhawks 2010, which again is where Patrick Kane is from and, and, and Buffalo. It's a long, it's a long one. It was a long, long winded way of saying that there's uh, some allegations surfacing out of Chicago uh, from their 2010 cup team. Um, those keeping score at home, feel free to DM me uh, my, my transition on that one. Um
2: It might have been your. This is
0: one that you sent me uh, that I I I hadn't heard about. I guess it broke sometime yesterday. Um, Article published on I think it was the Athletic late last night. No, it wasn't. It was
2: a it was a Chicago station like a a radio station W B W B E Z. Your home for Chicago news.
0: It's American. Yeah.
2: Chai City.
0: I'm scrolling here. I don't. I I know the coach's name is is referenced here. I don't have it. Aldrich, Brad. Aldrich. That's that's it. Yeah, I see Aldrich yeah, here. You know. That's that's the one. Yeah, allegations come forth that there were some uh, inappropriate conduct performed by himself uh, uh, in in the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know, dressing room or video room or whatever it was, and um, we are now hearing back that anonymous player has has come forward and said that uh, these 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 allegations. Are, are ongoing and there's an investigation taking place. Uh, Aldrich was uh, convicted in 2013 of uh criminal sexual conduct involving a student. Um, just more like trash fucking shit that we have to talk about when it comes to the culture uh, uh, involving some of these, uh, these, these, these people involved with the game of hockey, which, uh, we don't we don't enjoy sitting here talking about this crap, but it's it's important and it, it needs its day. And, and, and um, I was shocked, honestly, like uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was about the the allegations like I'm, I'm it's going to sound weird when I when I say it out loud. But it's like this team won the Stanley Cup, like in my mind, like a Stanley yeah. Cup can, you know, winners like this. You don't think of this fairy tale. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like how could you win a cup if you have all these these demons in your closet? But um whatever the case may be, like the, the circumstances aside, uh really disheartening to hear this. Uh we still at this point don't know who the player was. We we may never know who the player was, but uh just awful garbage news that we have to we that we that we hear about and that we we want to talk about and, and make sure that the, the word is out there, but you, you you hate to have these conversations, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing for me was that it, it was something, I mean, it happened in 2010, obviously. And it was something that the player didn't feel comfortable about coming out until, uh, uh, 2019 when he heard that there were allegations against Aldrich, uh, who at the time I think was volunteering with a, it might've been a high school hockey team in, uh, in Michigan and is now, was convicted and is now a registered sex offender. Brad Aldrich is his name. I, I thought, that was sort of the interesting thing for me, just in the fact that, um, you know, like we've seen this before in, in the entertainment industry, um, in other sports, uh, all around the world where this power dynamic is, is part of the problem that keeps these people from feeling comfortable uh, about reaching out after the fact even, right? Like these people are still in a position of power often. And, um you know it's difficult for for them to come out and expect to make it out on the other side without having any backlash on their part and you know the the just it's just it's horrible to me that uh I, it's horrible that it happened, right, but these sick people you never know where they are it, the horrible thing for me was that it affected the player so so aggressively, I guess it would say, and that they weren't able to do anything about it. Uh, well, not nothing. Apparently it was reported to the skills coach, I think of the team who would have been kind of the direct uh, superior sort of thing of Aldrich at the time. And he denies that uh, that's what happened. And he, now he's saying too, that this essentially didn't happen kind of thing. And uh, I forget his name, James Gary or something. His last name James is Gary. It's yeah. a weird, weird, yeah. weird last the name. I men- remember that Mental much
0: skills coach. Yeah. So,
2: so yeah. like, again, someone that you would reach out to and kind of confide in and, uh, now he's saying that it never went down this way kind of thing. And, um, you know, like there's two sides to every story, but, uh, this guy, you know, considering has been also convicted of the same thing. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm going to believe fuck a fucking player on this one. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's tough. And, and then the interesting thing was today too, is, um, I, you probably didn't see this yet too, but there was, a uh, there's now an investigation going on. I think it, I think it's the Minnesota, I think it's UMD maybe it's somewhere in Minnesota, one of the universities, there's now an investigation going on with their hockey program. And I just, I thought that was interesting that it was back to back days because I'm, I'm hoping, I'm not hoping that more of this comes out, but I'm kind of hoping that there is more justice moving forward, that I'm hoping that maybe this is encouraging other people to kind of come out with their stories. Like we're seeing it in Canada right now with everyone's going on with Bernie Lynch, right. Um, Or from the Lakers there. Like, we're hearing more of that kind of stuff and and i'm hoping more people come forward because you're you're just you're naive to think that it's not out there right you're it, it's the same it goes back to the akima lu thing like you're you're insane if you think that there isn't any uh you know bigotry and shit like that in the sport you like you're insane to think that this stuff doesn't happen too even though it's you know a professional male hockey league like you know what i mean uh it still happens right so um i'm i'm just kind of hoping that it furthers that conversation and maybe uh, is giving a space to people who didn't feel like they had it uh, maybe 48 hours ago, which wouldn't be an easy road, but you know, hopefully it, it kind of gets things moving there.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I, I think um, as, as much as I talked about, like the we, we want to come on here and have a good time. Like we, we want to crack jokes and, and have a fun. That's what the episode, second hour is but, for. Exactly. But First you know it's never I'm, fun i i would rather i would rather come on here and have to talk about you know oh 20 cases that were brought to light in the last week and 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 the idea of getting them out there and and making it aware and, and having people feel comfortable enough to come forward instead of doing like oh yeah it happened again like once every couple of months and the trickle down effect because i i think if you can get these these people, you know, the awareness out there, and get them out of the sport, and you're only going to create a healthier environment moving forward. The faster that this information gets out there, and I, I, I'm not saying that this this player should have come forward sooner. I realize it's no, a, very no. a very difficult thing to do, very difficult thing to do. But I, I am happy that they are coming forward, whenever it may be. And I just, again, like I, I would much rather see a, a massive shift in the culture than this chip away effect that that seems to be kind of happening because i i don't i don't know how much you know how much more we can really endure before you're you're really impacting the the, the grand scope of things but because i i think it's 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 a good thing that we get this information out and yeah and uh and, well and, and, and it's like, unless
2: unless these people come out and unless we we have these conversations, nothing's ever going to change, right? It's once yeah, we have yeah. these conversations and once more names come to light and, you know, more unpleasant facts are, are given, you know, 10 years down the road, if, if something happens, that I, like for a high school hockey team, you want those people, if it's it a university or whatever, to be able to go to their peers and say, you know, this happened and their peers believe them. And you want, you know, yep. the other coaches to support them. And, um, you know, like, I I understand that it's difficult for someone that you know really well to tell you that someone else you know really well did something really fucked up. I understand that it might be hard for people to process that. But, again, until there's more of a more modern examples of this kind of stuff happening, um, it's going to be hard to prevent it from happening. And, um, you know, so it's uh It's horrible, but hopefully it's leading us to uh better days I would say
0: hundred percent um shifting gears, we've got a trio of coaches that are all looking for uh, new homes and uh many more beyond that that uh could possibly be in the running for next season. Uh, wherever the seats may open, so to speak. Uh, Rick Talkett, John Portarella, and Dan Quinn all uh, either fired or, you know, stepped away from the team that they were with. I'll let you at home do the math on that one and figure out who's who. But um, uh, I don't know if you have any preference here. I'm just going to start in, I guess, alphabetical order. We'll talk with uh, uh, Dan Quinn and his exit from the New York Rangers. Well, um, uh,
1: the,
2: this tells you everything you need to know about uh, his contribution to the Rangers because his name is David Quinn. It's not Dan. So <laughs> tells you everything you need to know about uh, his legacy in New York.
0: I remember, I think I think his biggest claim to fame was that he coached Jack Eichel once in college. I don't know if that's, that's it, accurate.
2: It is amazing to talk about three coaches. And the guy who just got fired by the Rangers is not even the best coach that we're talking about. That's gotten fired by the Rangers. So again,
0: true, good times. True. Um, so D. Quinn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, we, we talked about all the, uh, the the New York brass shift from last week uh, with with John Davidson and Jeff Gordon, but um, kind of odd that. Quinn wasn't grouped into this group of firees uh, last week that they felt the need to kind of see the season through with him, where they didn't with the others. And and this this move, honestly, to me, um, kind of reignites the the spark of the you know idea that Davidson and Gordon were fired because of the Tom Wilson shit? Because like if you're going to fire all three, just do all three. Why Why are we letting Quinn see the season out and we're not letting the other two do the same? But maybe that's just me trying to dig up a story that doesn't exist. Um, were you surprised by the, the move with Dan Quinn? Dave Quinn? Da- D Quinn? David I can't Quinn. remember now. Um,
2: yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll preface this by saying I think David Quinn seems like an awesome dude and that I, I one day hope to, to have a beer with him. Um, I, I, I think he's a horrible fucking NHL coach. I I can't speak to his time in the, in college. Um, but there are a few times I've seen a guy get hired where almost everything he ever did and ever said just baffled the fuck out of me. Like, I, I don't understand how you come from a, a program where you're developing young hockey players and you think that the best thing to do when you get a fucking 18 or 19 year old, which I understand you didn't get a lot of in college uh, is to play them six minutes a night and then act confused when it's like, well, fuck, he's only got one goal in 20 games. I wonder what's going on. We'll put them in a su- position to succeed considering the rest of your roster is not that fucking good. Why don't you try to make them good by baptism by fire, like most fucking good young kids in the league? And if they're not good enough, tell your boss they're not good enough and send them somewhere else where they can play hockey because it's never done an 18-year-old any good to sit on a fucking bench and watch hockey. So, I, I right from the get go, I think every young player has had a has had a adjustment period under Quinn, and I don't think that's a coincidence. So, first off, that that drove me insane, uh, and I can only imagine how much it bug Rangers fans. Well, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I've seen on Twitter how much it bugged Rangers fans. Like that. That's annoying. Does, so, does the firing confuse me? No. Uh, I I don't think I. I don't think he should have been the coach coming into this year. So uh, it's a good move. I get what you're saying about the timing. It, it's kind of, that's kind of a weird conversation too, though. Cause it's just like, you know, I like if you've got a guy who I guess is in theory an NHL coach, like, I guess it's better to have him there for the last two games and, and just have him see out the season at that point. Cause like they only fired the GMs with, I think of two or three games left. Right. Like, uh, the GM and the president. So I don't know if the timing's quite as weird to me, but the weird part, like I get what you're saying about the Tom Wilson thing, because I don't know if I said it on the podcast last week, because we had a lot to talk about, but my initial reaction with Gordon and Davidson getting fired was like, they fired the wrong fucking guy head coach is a fucking guy they were supposed to hire. Like the only reason I would ever fire Jeff Gordon is if he refused to fire David Quinn, then I'd fire him. Yeah. Fuck you. David Quinn's terrible coach. So that was the only reason I ever had. But like the fact that Quinn made it out of that day, I was like, Oh my God. Like they're like, you can't tell me that they're going to move forward with David Quinn. And then Chris Drury fired David Quinn. So uh good move by Chris Drury. It's a good start. I think
0: Rick talk and the Arizona coyotes have parted ways um for the second time. Um, mm. Rick Talkit wanting to explore bigger <laughs> opportunities. I don't, I don't really know what that, what that <laughs> says about the future of the Coyotes, but it can't be great, I guess. Um, now we're gonna. I, I, I have, I have a list of guys in front of me, and and there's a there's a who's who of of coaches, and and maybe not a lot of open seats come next season. It, like, is Rick at a guy that you think is going to be behind a bench next season? Like his. His track record in Arizona hasn't been what I would call, you know, groundbreaking. Like he he didn't really move the needle a lot in terms of what I think a coach brings behind the bench. But uh, he he seems to think he has uh, some greener pastures ahead of him. To, is that justifiable, or is he maybe
2: a little up to lunch on that one? I'm not I'm not going to say that Rick Tockett's a horrible coach, like I would say about David Quinn. I, like, I wouldn't hire Rick Tockett, I guess is what I'm getting at. Do I think he's going to be on a bench next season? Uh, 100%. Uh, I'll bet you money for that. He, he'll be an assistant coach somewhere. I think he's got yeah. something to give. Is But it, but is he a head coach? I'm not saying he's not, but uh, I wouldn't. I, I don't even know if I'd interview him, to be honest with you. And I'm the type of interview everyone available. Interview as many people as you want. What else do you do? You, you tell me you don't have 40 hours to interview 40 people? Fuck it, interview 40 different coaches and see what happens. You know what I mean? Even tell some of them, listen, you're like 33rd on our priority list. We're not even looking at you. But let's see how you interview. You know what I mean? Let's see what you have to say. Yeah. And maybe they loosen up and give you some interesting answers. Like, fuck it. Interview as many people as possible. But I don't, I wouldn't hire Rick Talkett. I don't think. I don't know. I don't get the bigger, the bigger, bigger and better things. Unless he's going back to Pittsburgh to be an assistant. I don't know what the bigger, better thing is.
0: That might be bigger and better by all accounts. Uh, in the- I mean, it by definition, but probably is, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Tortorella has decided to walk away from the Columbus Blue Jackets. His contract was up uh, leaving as the all-time leader in wins by head coach in Columbus, which I'm sure is not an elusive list to uh, conquer. <sighs> the two-time Jack Adams award winner says he wants to continue coaching. Uh, there are a few open spots, as I mentioned, one, not, Least of notability is the New York Rangers, uh, where he spent a few seasons, uh, where uh, um, you know he was also fired from. But I think it goes with saying that someone is going to give John Torella a shot here. You've you've got a list of guys including Boudreau, Babcock, uh, John Gallant, Julian, Kirk Muller, Patrick Wall wants to get back into things. Bob Hartley just won the Gagarin Cup in the KHL, and by all accounts, there's. I've got four or five teams that who? will be looking for a head coach. Who did you say before so, Gerard Gallant? Uh, Mike Babcock. I don't know if you've heard of him. He, and who, who was uh, before that? Was
2: there anyone else? Bruce Boudreaux. Okay. No, that's a good option. He's good. <laughs> yeah.
0: okay. God, that list yeah. was that was a horrible list. Oh, my God. So with, with Torts, Tockett, and Quinn all now kind of in that group as well, uh, by my count, you've got Seattle, Arizona, the Rangers, the Blue Jackets, and probably the Red Wings, Jeff Blashill's up this year. His, his contracts to expire. I can't see them bringing him back. Wow. Um, so you've got five teams and, what, almost 10 coaches to, to, to work with here. And, and that doesn't include the, the college guys or the CHL guys that you, you might be considering as, you know, outside the box. Mike Van Ryan has been linked to the Arizona Coyotes by a few sources. What do you like here? Like, let, let maybe start with John Tortorella. Does 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 he grab one of those spots? And if if not, where where do the others kind of fall into place?
2: <clears throat> if if you're like, look, if if the situation is that Tockett 100% walked away, then I would I would see the interest in maybe bringing him to Arizona. But the report is that they mutually parted ways, so that does imply that the Coyotes were also like, yeah, we we we're also gonna let you go. So it all works out. So if, if 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 they philosophically liked what Talkit brought to the table, uh, guess what? Talkit is just a no name brand version of Torts, basically. The way he coaches his team and the way they play. So Torts is is a perfect, uh, he's a perfectly fine upgrade, I guess. Really, if you're looking to just make it to overtime every night, that's that's fine. So I mean, that makes sense. Here's the thing with Torts: is like I I am not an anti-Torts as a coach guy. I, from what I understand, uh, probably disagree with everything he thinks politically, but as a dude, he seems like he is a fine guy, uh, who at one point was an incredibly good hockey coach, but that point ended about, uh, at least eight years ago, I would say. Um, well, no, I'll give him some credit. Like was V, wait, no, was Vino the coach when they went to the cup final or was it Torso? Oh yeah. All right. Then fuck him. So I don't know. Like, like I thought, I think Torts is one of the all time greats, at least if not uh, from an on ice perspective, like at least for personalities and things like that. Right. (sighs) Like if I'm again, if I'm Seattle, because I think, I think most like them based on the way that, you know, the teams are giving me here. Like I wouldn't hire him. I don't, I don't know. Like it, it depends what you want to do. If you want to, if you want to just make the playoffs, then higher torts, but if you actually want to know what you have in a roster, if you actually want to try to develop some sort of a culture and things like that, torts is not your guy. Because I don't care what anyone says about uh, Columbus, I didn't think Columbus had a culture at all. The blocking shots is not a culture. Uh, blocking shots is a game plan. So well, their, their culture was being
0: John Torrilla's team,
2: right? I like I I guess, but like they're one of those teams where um, I I think that their roster is better than they perform put it that way and i think that he was probably the wrong coach for that roster case in point they had artemi panarin now they don't yeah i i'm not i'm not in the higher torts business but i certainly understand that he has things to give um and i'm not gonna say hiring Torts is a horrible move Because I did that when Columbus did it, and that was on an interim basis, and he coached six years there, and they were okay for a decent amount of it. So he's not a horrible coach, but I don't think he's a coach that's going to win you a Stanley
0: Cup at this point, put it that way. Be it by choice or by, like I said, just not enough seat to the table, I, I think Torts takes the year off next year. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe he looks at doing like the World Juniors or the World Championship and reevaluating his uh, status uh, uh, within the game. But I, I don't see him behind the bench next season, um, and that might just be, like I said, like a factor of, of his own choosing. But
2: I think that would be the best move um, for him, to be
0: honest. Uh, Gerard Gallant, uh, of course, has been linked to the New York Rangers. Uh, Darren Dreger reporting about uh, two hours ago that uh, the Rangers had permission to interview the uh, Canadian world uh, championship coach. That would be a, a pretty interesting fit and, and something that I think would work out pretty well. Like I, I could see him really clicking um, with that franchise, especially here. You're looking at a team that's, that's bringing in uh, Lafreniere and Cackle um, as still very fresh in By all accounts, you've got Artemi Panarin, who you alluded to having to deal with John Tortorella. Gallant would be the complete 180 of that. Um, I I think he could really make a lot of noise as the uh, Rangers head coach. However, I do think that there's going to be a a pretty intense push by the uh, Seattle Kraken to perhaps uh, secure the only other guy that has had success with an expansion team in the history of this uh this sport so he's a guy that i think is really going to be touted after by by probably everyone but like i said uh darren drager uh reporting that he has uh interviewed with or will interview with the new york rangers in the very near future is is gallant's uh, you know am am i am i kind of hitting the nail on the head on that one I, i think i think gallant could could do wonders with that team but um Maybe there's something that I'm not taking into consideration when it comes to him and the uh, New York Rangers. No, you you
2: nailed it. Uh, not only would I say that, is he the best available candidate? Um, I can think of... I can only think of one other coach in all of hockey that I think might make more sense for the New York Rangers. And he is currently the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. And technically isn't signed next year, so if you really want to add him to the list of candidates, uh, that that extension never is not official. So uh, they could hire Brindamore, but uh, yeah, Juragan's <laughs> probably your next best option because you want you want someone who you want someone who's going to be able to help develop these guys. And I don't even know that Brindamore is your guy there, uh, but you need someone who's going to be able to work with them, who's going to. Uh, make them want to play for you kind of thing. And that is what every single guy who's ever played for Gerard Gallant has to say about him, right? Like even, even this week, I was listening to, uh, to missing curfew with, um, oh fuck, who's on that? Scotty Upshaw and, uh, Shane O'Brien. And, uh, I don't, I don't think O'Brien ever played for him, but Scotty Upshaw has nothing but amazing things to say about Gerard Galant. Like you said, it's his favorite coach of all time kind of thing. And, uh, I think that that speaks wonders even coming from a guy who was in the re- league recently. So, um, yeah, I think for the Rangers, perfect hire, but he's another guy who, you know, he, he'd be a perfect hire for the Kraken. He'd be a perfect hire for the Red Wings, as you mentioned, these teams. Um, so the Rangers should hop on him now is my point.
0: Well, just, just pulling it up real quick here. uh uh, Shane O'Brien did play for Jarred Gallant with the Florida Panthers in 2014-2015, uh, albeit it was for nine games. So <laughs> it counts. It counts. Yeah, I'll give it to him. Good for Obie All right, Brits I, I have a, um, I have a brand new game for you. Now I, I, I came okay. up with this one. It's a little bit inspired by the uh, uh, the one you used to give me, which involved uh, a song by Coldplay, which I don't remember don't, the name of it.
2: Don't panic, James.
0: Don't panic. That's the one. That's right. Uh, inspired by uh, that and back. a mix of mix of other things. Uh, th- this game is called Time Warp. Uh, what I'm going to do is is I've I've come up with a category of questions that all fall into the the same theme. And every time we do this game, it's going to be a different category. So this week's theme is called Close but No Cigar, uh, and it oh, is based God. around guys. Uh, that fell just short of major milestones or accomplishments within their career. Now, here's how the game works. Okay? I'm going to correlate a song with each I category. Um, and you're going to have the, the time of that song to answer as many questions as you can and um, a bit accumulate as many points as you can. Now, if you get a question wrong, here's the thing. You lose 30 seconds of time. So you can either rush through this and give me a bunch of answers and try to get uh, as, as many as you can and maybe run out of time, or you can be meticulous and think about it and use your full 30 seconds uh, potentially to try to come up with an answer. That, uh, does that make sense to you?
2: I, I think so. So can, can you give me like an example of what I would have to do?
0: Okay. So I might ask you a question That was um, which player has scored the most career goals in the NHL? And you would say Wayne Gretzky. But on the off chance that you said Mario Lemieux, right? I would take thirty seconds away.
2: Alternate universe,
0: right? Oh, I I see what you're saying. Thirty seconds off the time of the song. Okay,
2: so so it's just it's just a it's essentially just a quiz game where uh, if I'm if I'm not careful, I'll lose time and do way worse than if I than if I'm good at it basically yeah okay yeah. i like that
0: there, like there that. is a finite number of questions here I, I don't have you know a thousand questions ready to go but um, no
2: well yeah i have no intentions you, on on getting like 50 right here so
0: yeah if if you reach the limit i'll give you the maximum points and then we'll compare that to maybe the next time we do time warp And uh, we'll see what your high can be. And perhaps some guests will play it along the way. Okay. So so.
2: so there's probably going to be a different song based on the category.
0: A different song each time.
2: Yeah. You you very much are the Ryan Lambert of this podcast. You're you're a good game maker, I would say.
0: That's high praise. That's high praise.
2: You're a good game maker.
0: Okay. So today's song for the category Close But No Cigar is uh, Have a Cigar. Mm -hmm. by Pink Floyd off of their 1975 album Wish You Were Here
2: so that's Um, like that wait give me a bonus point if I get it right that is 5 minutes and 5 seconds long I'm going to say
0: you're a little short but uh, it's 5 minutes and 24 seconds god
2: damn
0: I already lost 30 seconds (laughs) Uh, bad start for Bruce Um, okay so here's how we're going to do this I'm going to read you the first question and I'll start the song and And those listening at home, you might be able to pick it up in the background, but it's mostly for Brutes. So uh, if you're ready, sir, I will, uh, I will begin you off with a bit of a layup.
2: Yeah. I would rather be having a cigar, but I'll, I'll listen there to the go. song as the next best option.
0: Once again, these are players that fell just short of major milestones or accomplishments. Okay. All right, Brutes. Um, question one which player very famously finished the season with 199 points? Um, Mario Lemieux. Absolutely correct for one point. Uh, question two. Maurice Richard was the first player to score 50 goals in the season. What long-tenured fellow right-wing rival of Richard's never got to this magic number? Um, Gordy Howe ever get fifty goals? I call Gordy Howe. That's correct. Gordy Howe topped out at forty-nine.
2: Yeah,
0: he fifty-three. Uh, question three: Since two thousand, how many players have finished the season with forty-seven to forty-nine goals, falling just shy of fifty?
2: uh since when like is it a time period since 2000 oh 47 to 49 do i want to rush this I, mean, I should think about this gonna go far uh i got man it's the first name that came to mind did it on multiple occasions no just how many players Oh, how many players? Oh, shit. 47 to 49 goals. Let's go 16. Uh, that is
0: incorrect. We were looking for nine. Took the over. Fuck. So I skip ahead 30 seconds. Now, yeah. I'll give you a half a point for um, each of the players that you can tell me that never did end up hitting 50. Now Those nine guys were Matthews, Pasternak, Ovechkin, Tavares, Alvin, Solani, Naslin, Gianta, and Gagné. How many of them never got to 50?
2: Ever? Yep. Um,
0: uh, let's go seven. Six. Damn. I will penalize you for that one, but it was Matthews, Pasternak, Tavares, Gianta, Ghani, Naslin, and uh, Gianta never even had 30 again, so... <laughs> Uh, question four. As we mentioned last episode, Marc Andre Fleury has moved himself into third all time in goalie wins and is closing in on 500 for his career. Only two other netminders have reached this milestone Patrick Waugh with 551 and Martin Brodeur. How many wins away is Brodeur from 700?
2: he's got a lot like i i think the number i think he has cuz he's first right Broder, is that what yeah. you're getting at yeah i think he has like 681 or something is the number like i i think it's a lot i'll go 19 wins
0: ooh you're off by 10 my guy he's ah. 9 wins shy ah. of 700 uh, That was all those games he won
2: with the blues i'm sure
0: I'll skip ahead again. Question five A thousand games played in the NHL lands you a silver stick, as we witnessed with players such as Patrick Kane, Jordan Stahl, and most recently, Paul Stasny. Of the following four players that fell short, who came the closest to the quadruple digit club? Was it Alexander Mugilny, Terry Sawchuk, Tomas Kaberle, or John LeClaire?
2: I'll go John LeClaire.
0: That's incorrect. Uh, he mm. had 967. We're looking for Alex McGilney. Mm. He's 10 games shy of the 1,000-game mark. So that's going to leave you with exactly time for one more uh, question here, my guy. Uh, question six. The active plus-minus leader in the league is seven shy of plus 300 for his career. Having to wait until next season should he play, who is king of this once-prominent stat?
2: The active leader in plus minus,
0: yeah. <sighs> fuck, I
2: would have to think it's Joe Thornton. Ooh, I think oh fuck! Amongst... Ah, okay. is it? Uh, now I now I'm thinking it's Zdeno Chara,
0: but I think I think Thornton's the forward leader, so I'll give you some credit there. But okay. it is Zdeno Chara that is the yeah. answer. So. You know the the reason I I second guessed on
2: Chara first off. Because I'm like, well, he was terrible on the Islanders. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, he played there for like two seasons. so that's not the end of the world.
0: There you go. Well, you got three to six. Okay. Uh, not not too bad. I, I've got uh, plenty more for that category. We might do the uh, cigar again. But like I said, we can do this with a lot of different categories a and a lot of different songs.
2: Hey, if you pick a song, I'll answer the questions. There we go. I love it.
0: Um, All right. That brings us to the um, Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks, who uh, finally, uh, we we now know the final times of their games uh, that they have to play before the end of the regular season. The Vancouver Canucks famously having to miss a couple weeks there with their their COVID outbreak. Um, They will be playing Saturday night at uh, 7 Pacific, and uh monday and tuesday at 1 and one thirty, uh respectively um kind of a bananas move from the nhl uh by all accounts when you consider the fact that a uh, vegas is the only pacific time zone team that made the playoffs i thought that this was going to be a great opportunity <laughs> for the league to actually have like a late game on certain nights like wouldn't that have been perfect? Just like, yeah, it's not the playoffs, but you still have hockey later at night that you can turn on and, and tune in for. But uh, we're, we're not going to go down that path, says uh, the NHL.
2: Oh, man. I mean, I, I see I, again, like this is almost like the Eichel thing from earlier. Like, I don't know the actual answer to this, but like my thought always has been that start times are more like, obviously have some effect due to the TV but a lot of it has to do with like fans coming into the building. And now that most teams aren't having fans in the building or the fans you are having, it's very limited. So like traffic's not a huge problem. Just start the game whenever you want. Like that would, that's kind of my thought. So I don't, I, yeah, the whole time zone thing, but whatever. I don't, I don't know for sure if that's a realistic thing that they can do.
0: I, yeah, like I said, like I, I thought it would have been perfect year. You tune in for your Leafs Habs game. You know, game game two of the first round, mind you, that's not going to happen for three weeks now. So uh, the Flames and Canucks will probably be done by that point. But you know what I mean? Like, there was a real opportunity here to kind of fill a void. Yeah. You're not going to have the, uh, the, the Blues and, uh, you know, Avalanche play at 10 o'clock at night. It just doesn't make sense, no matter how you slice it. So, yeah, a bit of a drop ball situation for the NHL, especially like a, a league that can never seem to get... The, the timing of its games right in the first place. So perhaps we shouldn't be surprised, but no. worth mentioning. Uh, that brings us to the playoff preview, the, the hot topic, the big issue. Um, because this is an NHL and because uh, we're going to have to play those Calgary Vancouver games, we still don't know uh, all of the playoff matchups. So while we're going to do this, it's going to be kind of open-ended in terms of, of how accurately we can we can predict um, what's going to happen in the first round, but hey, we're professionals. Uh, we've been doing this for a couple years now. We'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll do our best. Is but,
2: that the benchmark? Uh,
0: I, I in a
2: COVID world, I suppose it is. It's like squ- it's like squatters' rights. They're just like, yeah. Well, I don't know. If you just if you stay there for three years, you can just have the house. Exactly. If you have a podcast for two years, whatever. You're a professional. You've been doing it long enough. Good for you.
0: All right. Um, we'll start with the Mass Mutual East Division, and the first-seeded Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the fourth-seeded New York Islanders. Uh, this series is set to kick off on Sunday at noon. These two teams met in the playoffs a couple years ago, and it had the Islanders uh, knocking off Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Uh, what, what do you like this time around? Do you think do you think Barry Trotz and his uh, ragtag team of defensive-minded uh, players can get by the the high-flying pens? No, I, I have the pens in seven.
2: But this is probably the prediction of mine that I feel the worst about. Like, I feel, I feel real good about my predictions this year. This is a rare year where I'm like, you know what? I watched enough hockey. I got it fucking all figured out. I know what's going to happen this year. I don't know about this one, though. Like, the Islanders could grind the shit out of the Penguins, and that could be a, another four-game sweep for the Islanders. Like, I wouldn't put that past them. They've certainly done enough in the playoffs in recent years for me to for to earn my respect to say that, um, like, they very well could win this round. Uh, I don't know. But uh, uh, the Penguins have been one of the league's best teams over the last, you know, stretch in terms of wins. Their, their underlying numbers are not uh, anything crazy, but... Uh, the Islanders have been horrible lately, so that is more so where my thought was on this one. I don't really trust a cold team going into the playoffs, as we'll, as we'll see in my predictions. So, um, yeah, I got pens in seven. I think the Islanders will find a way to grind out a couple 2-0 wins, but, um, you know, you tell Sidney Crosby that this could be his last real run at a cup because we're kind of getting to that conversation now. Uh, he's going to get mad. He's going to score some goals, so.
0: Uh, I've got the Islanders in six. Um, sure. I, I watched what the Habs did to the Penguins last year in the bubble. And I know it's not the same set of circumstances, especially, you know, having to be in a fucking bubble. But um, I don't know. I, I think the Islanders are kind of built to play this specific Penguins team. And, 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 and when you look at the, the head-to-head matchup, like I – I just see I agree with you 100% like I, th- I think the Islanders are really stumbling into the playoffs here like they haven't been mm-hmm. good but I just think the makeup of their team is is kind of designed to to beat a team like the Penguins so uh give me give me Barry Trotz on this one for for six games for the Islanders. Yeah, I don't hate that. Uh that brings us to the other matchup in the division which is uh, the Capitals at 2 versus the Bruins at 3. Uh, this one's set to kick off Saturday night, May fifteenth, seven fifteen p.m. I I don't know when we started doing the fifteen thing, but sure, I think that's the first playoff game of the the year. I want to say so just whatever. in time
2: for the conclusion of the regular season.
0: Yeah, Caps Bruins. Uh, I'm 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 gonna go. Uh, I'm going Bruins here. Don't don't ask me why, but I like them in five.
2: Uh, I have the Bruins in six. I I, okay. uh, I don't have a lot of faith in the Capitals' goaltending, first off. I think that the teams are somewhat close when they're um, playing at the height of their powers. But the Capitals have some questions for me. Like Ovechkin's been hurt most of the season. He played most of the season, but he's been hurt most of it. Like, we could have even spent probably 10 minutes talking about Evgeny Kuznetsov and what the hell's going on with that guy. You know, like, they're basically down what they would consider to be their number one center, so that's not good. Um, Another problem is they play Zdeno Chara uh, quite a few minutes at night, so I don't like that too much. But, yeah, no, I think think the Bruins are rolling right now. They've been really, really good over the stretch of the last, uh, I want to see what date to have the numbers. Since March 25th, they're third in the league in expected goals, and they actually do you know, have a good, like that's actually expected goals percentage and the total number of which, which is always kind of something you have to differentiate, but you could kind of dissect any sort of number you want, even just raw points like Taylor Hall's rolling. Uh, Charlie Mack have always been great. They have two to three really good goaltenders. So yeah, I like, uh, I like the Bruins. I take the Bruins in six.
0: I like that it took uh, Zidane Chara signing with the Capitals for him to have an impact against them in the uh, the playoffs. But well, he might have the ultimate impact against them. Yeah. Uh, the Discover Central Division, uh, the Discover COVID Central Division, Ooh. the Carolina Hurricanes taking the uh, title at the, the one seed, the high seed in the East. In fact, uh, uh, up against the Nashville Predators who squeaked in at four. I got I got Hurricanes in five. I I was going to go sweep, but I I don't like the sweep. The sweep never feels right to me, but um, I went five here, so.
2: Well, James, there's only one team in the league that I have confidence that they can pull off a sweep in the playoffs, and they're the Carolina Hurricanes. I got Hurricanes in four. Okay. Hurricanes like in it. four over the Preds. Like, right. I, I, I have a lot of respect for what the Predators did and how hard they battled and – um, they've won a lot of games down the stretch, but they are, they are another one of those teams where you start looking into their underlying numbers and even against like bad teams, they, they haven't been particularly amazing. Yeah. So I just don't have a yeah. lot of faith in them.
0: There's too much parody in the league for me to, to, to confidently state a, a sweep, but I like it. I like that you have the balls to go for it because I wish I did, but um, um, that I being always said,
2: I always take one cause there usually is one. But it's never oh, the yeah. one I take.
0: Yeah, I've, I've got one. This will be a seven-game
2: series in overtime. Uh,
0: well, uh, yeah, every game goes in overtime for sure.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, The Battle of Florida. Brutes, first time ever that we're getting Tampa versus Florida in a playoff matchup. Uh, these are two teams that are closing in on 30 years being in the league and they've never met before. This is insane. Let's go. Let, let's get this. Uh, hyped up to the Battle of Ontario in the early 2000s. I want to see this get ugly like the the Battle of Alberta usually does. We we saw some bad blood at the end of the regular season between these two teams. What do you like? Who do you like with the Battle of uh, Florida Man? Panthers
2: and six man.
0: Six. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Here. Here's the thing. Is uh, sure, they're getting Kucherov and Stamkos back. Uh, to that, I would say uh, it sounds like they're getting Stamkos back. Uh, Kucherov had the same surgery that Kessler had. Uh, and there's no real videos of him skating yet. <laughs> it's like, he's skated, but there's no footage of it, really. Uh, so that, that first off is where it's like, yeah... If he's back at full health, this is going to be a really good series. If he's not, they kind of need him because they're uh, unfortunately kind of coasting in a little bit right now. Uh, Victor Hedman is playing what I'm sure is hurt. That or he's magically gotten horrible over the last 10 games. Seems like a weird thing to just happen to one of the best players on the planet. So I think he's hurt is what's going on, I would imagine. And Vasilevsky has not been very good lately. And the Panthers are, I think, the... Uh, what's the number, they, they produce uh, expected goals and Corsi and all that kind of stuff at a much higher rate than the Lightning do, like the, the numbers sort of support the idea that the Panthers control more of their games than the Lightning do which might be because the Lightning are missing some of their best players, I don't know, but um, I just think like if we're talking about high-end talent coming into the series, the best player in the series for me is Sasha Barkov and even at full health, that's still probably my answer. So I I think that there's a lot to like about the Panthers. Maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm you know uh, overthinking it. And another thing is too right. Like one of my points is that Vasilevsky hasn't been very good lately. Well, the Panthers goalies are uh, the Panthers goalies. Wow. So that's you know like, if- like like e- even if they were playing good, your options are. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky, who makes $70 million and hasn't been very good for over two years. Uh, Chris Dreger, who's got uh, negative four games of playoff experience coming into this year. And Spencer Knight, who's 11 years old. So that's not ideal, you know? But like, I just, I I think the Panthers got some mojo. I feel like even though the Lightning got over the hump last year too, that the Panthers are kind of at that point where it's like, well, fuck, no one thinks we're going to win. And they're going to go in looser than a three seed or two seed whatever they are uh, normally would like i think they're going in as like an overwhelming uh underdog and i think that's going to work to their advantage too so for all those reasons i have panthers in 6
0: i have panthers in 7 wow uh, give me Let's give go. me uh give me Joel Quenville with home ice advantage and that's enough yeah. to convince me so i don't know um should make it clear i like the lightning like i i think the lightning yeah. are fun to watch i love them but i don't know i don't think it's I, their year I also kind of think that the Panthers need to win this. Like, it sounds weird, but like, Tampa's no, you're, you're won right. the two cups. The Panthers haven't won a playoff series since '96 when they went to the Cup Finals. Like, this just kind of feels like their moment. Like, it's eight mile, and this is their shot. And it's their one <laughs> shot, and they have to take their shot. And they're gonna they're gonna shoot their shot. So, uh, I think they win. Look, I don't think they go much fucking further than this, but you know, like I, I think that they're gonna they're gonna come out on top here. They're gonna have bragging rights uh, in the state. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck it. Let's let's go. Let's let's go, Panthers. Uh, he sit alone on a hill by himself one day. They
2: don't. They don't have a, like an incredible amount of playoff experience. Like, there's definitely some potential for uh, like a mom spaghetti scenario there with the uh, with the Florida Panthers. But yeah, um, yeah, I had to work that in. But like, it is one of those things where. I I just I look at their roster and you're right. Like that's another thing too that I think people sort of don't look at with the Panthers is talk about teams that are at a crossroads, right? Like no matter what, we're gonna get to it. Like if the Leafs lose, everyone's gonna be like, "Well, what the fuck do you do if you're the Leafs?" And it's like Barkov's 25, which is great. Huberto's gonna be 28 this year. Like Huberto is arguably at the point where he's gonna start declining. And he's the second best player on that team, maybe third if you really, really like Ekblad. Like that's that's not great. Like that's a key player that maybe isn't going to be amazing moving forward. And then and then what do you got? Like they have a decent team of really good plug-in guys, but I don't know that they have anyone who's in like an elite level player like Huberto. So if they don't win, I I don't know, I don't know that their window maybe isn't like already shutting before it opens. You know? Yeah. I doubt it, but maybe.
0: Well, you know, the good the good news is with the Panthers, you know, you got the fans in the building, they're gonna to be tossed the rubber rats on the field, and then you're gonna to need the to heavy pay the Pied Piper to uh, to get them off 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 the ice there. So that's the the third Pied reference Piper. to lose yourself by M and M. Yeah. Anyway. I you know, I gotta be honest mm-hmm. with you, when I
2: hear Pied Piper, my immediate mm-hmm. thought is Silicon Valley, which I don't know if you ever got into. But that's like the app they develop. It's called Pied Piper, and that's what I think mm-hmm. of when I hear it. I think of Silicon Valley more, but still an Eminem reference for sure.
0: Yeah, he he made it happen back in the back in the day. Uh, the Honda West division, the Honda Honda West. Uh, oh, this Honda is engine. tough. It's it's really hard to talk about the Honda West division because <laughs> uh, as it stands, we don't know how the Honda West division is going to end up. Uh, Ten minutes from now. The Colorado Avalanche are going to take the ice against the uh, Los Angeles Kings, and uh, if they win, they're going to play the St. Louis Blues. But if they lose, they're going to play the Minnesota the Wild. So I don't really know how you want to approach this one. I guess we'll break it down with with both scenarios, and I'll I'll start like this.
2: Yeah, I just did both Blues series and both Wild series. Is how I did it.
0: Sure. Oops. The with with if, if if the if the Avs win. Against the Kings, which I think they will. Um, do you do you have the Avs over the Blues um, in, in that matchup?
2: Yeah, I guess we could have recorded tomorrow morning. Um.
0: <laughs> 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 um, okay,
2: so if the Avs play the Blues, is what you're asking me? Yeah, I have the Avalanche in five. Okay.
0: Um, I that this is the one where I have the sweep. Okay. I have I have AVS in four if they play the Blues. Um, that being said, the other option is if Vegas gets the Blues. Um, where do you have that series? I have
2: uh, Vegas over the Blues in five. Same, same.
0: <laughs> same, same. Not so different.
2: Same, same. Exactly the same.
0: Yeah, I, I have I have Vegas in five against the Blues. So. Okay. I'm glad we I'm glad we got through that painlessly. That part, yes. Um This also leads to the idea of the Avalanche against the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you feel about that series?
2: Uh not as good. Um <laughs> I I have the uh Avalanche and the Wild, you said. I have the Avalanche in seven. Mm. I've watched the majority of the time they play each other. Uh argue the wild have been the better team in those games
0: so Mm. uh yeah i I don't know i too have the minnesota wild in seven or sorry the um the the wow the avalanche Colorado avalanche in In seven seven, against the wild what you said i have the same yes yes, same same yes yes same same Same, same. of course we have to acknowledge the idea that perhaps the golden knights will play the minnesota wild in the first round of the playoffs And, and how sir do you deem that series oh i have the wild in seven Um, I have, I have the wild in six, so I, I,
2: I haven't looked at every team, but I'm pretty sure I read a number that like the wild are the only team to play the golden Knights, like more than more than like eight times in their existence and have a positive winning percentage against them in their franchise history. Like they're one of the only teams in the league that like, yeah. Yeah. So, so I like that. And I actually do think the wild matchup decently well against the golden knights i mean here's the problem right is like the golden knights are a team that play with a lot of speed they're they're like a high octane sort of thing if they decide they want to make that series boring as shit they win in four games for me but i i think the golden knights have a tendency to really try to get the speed thing going and that's not the way i would play the wild even though they're also kind of like they're a fast team but most of their offense and and uh, like they just defend well and that's how they're able to play with speed kind of thing. And the golden Knights play a similar way, but I think it suits the wild more. So stylistically, like that is the reason I've come up with why the wild seem to have Vegas's number. Um, because you go down the board, like, like, uh, the Wild's defense might be deeper but I would rather have the Golden Knights defense. I'd rather have uh, the Golden Knights uh, forward group for sure. It's not even close. And uh, well, the goaltending, it's its a little closer than the forwards, but it's still kind of a blowout for me. But the Wild are winning most of their games because they buy into their system. And I think, I think they just match up against Golden Knights. Well, I, I could see them winning.
0: Yeah, they lost, uh, what is it, two games to the Golden Knights this year in regulation uh, all season long like to me it's one of those things that's kind of black and white like if you shut down uh the Kervil Kaprizov line then you should be able to win so you just stick Mark Stone out there against the Kaprizov line but the wild have this like really amazing way of scoring from their depth like i know we talk a lot about depth and the importance of it in the playoffs and and we'll and and we'll see who's left standing and and, and usually that's the case but the wild like their team when you look at their roster and and you always think to yourself well yeah they're they're a one-line team and then they'll go out one night and they'll get a goal from every line and the next night yeah it'll be the kuro kaprazov show and he'll have four points and we'll all be like wow that's crazy the wild have like one good player but then the next night it's like oh yeah his line doesn't score at all and it's the third line that has like a, a big night so I think the Wild are dis, like kind of very sneaky in, in, in the way that people are, are kind of predicting how they're going to play. And I, I don't think it's the Avalanche or the, the Golden Knights. I don't think it really matters. Like, I think they're going to win a couple games regardless. I, I, I do like their chances a little better against Vegas, and that's, that's why I haven't been six. So
2: Yeah, I think the Wild know that they're not as good and they're a little less tense in a way. And I think that's what yeah. frees them up to actually have that success when they open the game up, because it doesn't matter which route you want to go. Like, if you want to look at all of their underlying numbers, they're very average team, uh, like very average, which is still better than I thought they were going to be. Like, there's a reason why everyone came into the year and it's like, well, I don't see how they're going to be any good. You know, like I still stand by that. I look at their roster on paper. I'm like, this team doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know how this team wins any game ever, but they do. And you watch them and it's like, yeah, like, they'll do nothing for 10 minutes, and all of a sudden Kaprasov's line just hems in the avalanche of all fucking teams for, like, two and a half minutes. Crazy. I don't know, but they uh, they make it work, and they're sort of that one team where it's like they sort of defy logic, and that's, I don't know why, they're just my, my darling pick, I guess, in that scenario. Of course, I'm sure they'll end up
0: playing the avalanche and losing four, but... We turn now to the one division that has back-to-back games in the playoffs, which... Uh we'll talk about later. Oh uh, but uh, that would be the Scotia North division, Scotia, Scotia bank. I don't know if anyone has put that together yet. At this point of the season, I just thought I would spoil that. Because now, James, is that the same games.
2: as Nova Scotia? Uh,
0: I, I believe inspired by, but I, I could be wrong. I'll have to check my Latin on that one. The Scotia North division winning Toronto Maple Leafs at the one seed, taking on their historic rivals, the Montreal Canadiens, Uh, two teams that have not met in the playoffs since before the battle of Florida was even a thought in the minds of boomers around the world. We're both, you know, pretty public leaf fans. How nervous are we about the Montreal Canadiens? Not really.
2: Hmm. I mean, I don't, (laughs) I'm not on the team. So I don't, I don't, I think we've talked about this with you. I don't get nervous. Uh, I don't get what I would say. I get anxious, like I, I have anxiety, but like I don't think I get nervous ever. And uh, the only times I ever really remember feeling nervous is like the first two minutes of the Leafs' first playoff game of the year. It's the only time I ever can remember like when I actually get nervous, nervous, uh, and then it just subsides. You know what I mean? Then I'm then I'm fine. It's like I'm it's like I'm an NHL player playing the first minute, and then it's like the he's into the game, and everything's fine. So okay. I'm not. I I wouldn't say I'm nervous. I, I, I if that's the question.
0: Yeah, I um I haven't seen this team win a playoff series since I was <laughs> thirteen. I tw- uh, since I was twelve. Since I was twelve years old. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty nervous. Not gonna lie to you. This, this team knocked off the Penguins last year in the bubble. Uh, you get one hot goaltender. I don't care who it is. Uh, and and things go sideways really quick. But um. That being said, I got the Leafs in six.
2: Uh, same. Nice. Um, I will say this. It would be Leafs in five for me, but there's a back-to-back in the series. So I assume when there's a back-to-back that the team split that. Um, so in this scenario, I'm taking a split there. So it would have been five, but it's six now.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, with with the split, I'll, I'll ask this for the next series. This isn't like a, a leaf specific thing, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you think both teams go to the backup goaltender on the split, or, or are we going to get some some back to backs from these guys?
2: I think I think yeah, I think they both will. I uh, it depends what happens for Montreal those first two games. Like I actually think it's more of a, I think it's way more set in stone for Toronto than it is for Montreal. I think that's more of a conversation uh, when you're talking about the Habs. For Toronto, uh, here is one glaring problem that i have is that jack campbell has never played this amount of hockey uh in a row at least not at this level in his life and maybe not at any level until this year kind of thing so i think they're probably i'm sure there's some talk around the organization about like well do we really want to give him 7 games in 13 days and i would say no i i wouldn't i wouldn't do that it sounds like a bad idea but do I want to watch Frederick Anderson or fucking David Riddick play uh, game? Game four, not really either. So I think the Leafs will go to their backup. But Montreal is an interesting one because it's just like, like, do we know what the hell's going on with Carey Price yet? It
0: was a concussion that was the main injury. Like, is that what it was? Yeah, that's not so. Good. <laughs> it's hard. It's well, it's one of those things, right? Because like he he came back and then he got hurt again all the signs seem to suggest that he's going to be fine by the playoffs, but it's a concussion. So it's, it's really hard to gauge. Like if you're fine, you're probably fine. Like, it's, like the concussion is so weird in that sense that if you've had one and you've truly recovered, then yeah, you're probably good to go. But if you're even like 80, 90 percent you could wake up and it'd be the worst fucking day of, of the experience. Right. And, and you just don't know that going on. Well, so, and,
2: and even especially as a goalie, right? Like if you're, if you're, if you're a little slow, if your puck tracking is a little off, yep. you're fucked. And especially yep. when he, I don't know, whatever, he hasn't been very good for years. So I, I, I don't know how great I'd feel about that either. Right. Like, like here's the thing, right? Like a lot of people go in and it's like, well, Carrie price can fucking steal you a playoff game. Right. And it's like, well, he, he's stolen one in, in like six years. So I don't know about that. Uh, Well,
0: he stole the series last year, and I I will give him full credit. I'll
2: I'll give him one game. I I think Montreal was the reason they won that series, but there was definitely Game Three. I think where where Price was like made like forty one saves or something. He was unbelievable, and like I'll I'll give him that. But I don't think Montreal's situation with Price is that much different than Toronto's situation with Anderson. Like, I don't really think it is that much different for me. I don't I wouldn't feel great about Price either. And then even if he is a hundred percent, then you feel a little bit better about it, right? But if he's not a hundred percent and you're running Jake Allen for the series and you got a back to back, what are you gonna do? You're gonna fucking throw C- Caden Primo in for game four? Like, come on, man. Like the, the Leafs yeah. picked him apart. I would feel better about Michael Hutchinson than I would Caden Primo. And that's nothing against Primo or his future. It's just like he's not he's not ready to go yet. And then to throw him in against your technical biggest rival on what would probably be hockey night in Canada on a Tuesday, on a Tuesday night, whole nation's watching and Caden Primo's the guy like, that's not fair to him either. So I don't know what you do. That's a complicated, uh, it's a complicated scenario for, for Montreal. I think.
0: I think Montreal absolutely goes back to back with their, sorry, they go one to one with their backup and, and starter. I don't care who it is. Like, I, yeah. I 100% agree with you in terms of, like, if it's primo, that's not fair. But I think you still do it regardless because I think in the big picture you kind of have to. But yeah. uh, the Leafs is a tricky one because, like, if Jack Campbell and the Leafs lose game one and two by chance and you've got the back-to-back coming up, what do you feel better as as a coach? Do you go to Campbell again for a third straight game knowing that that back-to-back could be an elimination game. Or do you turn to Freddie Anderson in game three, and if Freddie Anderson stumbles, well, now you're really up a creek without a paddle because you've got game four on a back-to-back. That's an elimination game that neither goalie has looked good. Could you see, like, a a David Riddick appearance at that point? Like, a a third (laughs) goalie coming into the series?
2: I mean you could. Like it, it Campbell for me would have to let in like six on eighteen back to back, like games one and two. You know what I mean? Like he he would have to be awful for me to he he is to me far and fucking away their number one goaltender. Like I he he's to the point where James, you and I are talking about doing our, our top twenty players, top ten goaltenders. The only reason he's not my top ten goalies is because I'm a Leaf fan and I feel like I'm gonna be oh a fucking classic Leaf fan. I genuinely think he's one of the top ten goalies in the league. I think Campbell's very, very good. Yeah. So But if he um, has
0: like a like, like I, year, I like the
2: he's 17, 2 and 2, or 18, 2 and yeah. 2, or whatever he ends up being, or I guess they play tomorrow night. Like I think at this point he's been good enough over a long enough stretch where I'm like, Yeah, he's your fucking guy. He he gets game one, game two, and unless he gets blown like unless he's the clear, clear problem in games one and two, he starts game three. Even if he lets in four on thirty four or something like if the Leafs would have to be the reason they lose. And I feel like that's the only way they would lose those first two games. I don't think it, I just don't see it being because of Campbell.
0: Yeah. I, I, I go back to last year and I realize again, the bubble, a five game series, very different circumstances. But like, I, I look at that and I go, how many of those games were Freddie Anderson's fault? Well, probably only one. Yep. There was a couple of games where you're you're getting 970 goaltending on the other end. Like that's just not you're not gonna put up with that, right? So I, I'm just thinking that they big picture, you put Jack Campbell in, and whether it's his fault or not, if you get two losses, you get two losses, and you're going from a guy that has never played in the playoffs at the NHL level before to a guy that at least you can kind of point to and say Oh, he's won a couple games. Sorry, I
2: i guess I should clarify. Like, he would have to be awful for me to go Anderson and Riddick. I, oh, I see. Okay. I, if, yeah, yeah. if they lose games one and two and they're down to nothing, you go to Anderson game three. Like, I'd rather him start the front half of that back-to-back than the back half. Okay. Uh, now, I understand the analytics don't tell you to do that, but my thought on it, having coached hockey, is that I would rather go into Game Four down three nothing and go back to my optimal, best lineup like Campbell's in net, Tavares is fucking playing with Matthews and Marner like thirty minutes of the game. Uh, I'm I'm running like like Buck Riley if he starts making mistakes. I'm running uh, Brody with Muzzin and then Brody with Hall and like I'm you know what I mean like you you run whoever your best fucking options are and you try to win that game. But I mean there's not a scenario where where i think that three goalies is going to be a necessity unless an injury comes up so sure um and and unfortunately like i hate to say it uh but david riddick is for sure my third string goalie at this point like he just yeah he yeah, wasn't yeah. horrible but like he didn't do anything for me to be like oh yeah no this guy can this guy can handle it like i don't see it i would rather Maybe. i'd rather i'd legit would rather go down with the anderson ship again at this point,
0: you, you, mean, you mean he never went 10 3 and 1 with a team at any point this season? Yeah, shocking. <laughs> uh, that leaves us with the last matchup the Oilers and Jets 2 and 3. Members of the uh, Smythe division uh, fans from the 80s might remember mm-hmm. these two teams as being big rivals. Um, of course, we have another back to back in this series as well between games 3 and 4. Uh, you've got Connor McDavid and the historic offensive season going up against Connor Hellebuck and the reigning Vesna Trophy winner. Um, you're right for the Jets for the high button. Give me the high button, short and sweet of it for uh, for this series.
2: Whew, yeah, this is the worst matchup on paper by a lot, eh? Um, oh <laughs> uh, god, these I was like trying to, I'm, I was trying to like figure out a way. Like I watched most of those games. They played each other. I'm trying to find a way. I'm like, there's gotta be like a thing I'm missing where like, there's a clear answer here. It's gotta be an answer right in front of me. You know what I mean? And the only thing I could find to make my decision for me was that, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. I don't know if you know about this have Connor McDavid. So I went, uh, I went Oilers in six and I only went six, uh, because there's a back to back.
0: I went Oilers in five. Okay. I I just I don't know how you contain this guy at this point. Like, I think I'm I sure think there, there are, are
2: ways, but I don't think the Jets are the no, team there, at no. There 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 are definitely ways to do it. Team. I just
0: the Jets are going to have to get themselves into like that run and gun style where if McDavid has three points, then well you've got to have a guy with four. And I just don't see it happening over, you know, a six seven game series, but. They just don't like, think, have enough think, like, of their the, the, high end
2: the, talent rolling right now. The,
0: right, the Jets have the deeper lineup. I will give them that. They have the better goaltender. I will give them that. The Oilers have the best player to play the game of hockey in the last thirty years, probably. So it's it's McDavid for me. Um, it's not even the Oilers at this point. It's it's david McDavid and five. Yeah, like
2: he he carved the Jets apart, right? Like he had, he had twenty two points in nine games against the Jets. It was basically the team that he was next best against after the Senators this year, right? And, like, it's it's one of those things where I think the Jets have done a good job containing him in the regular season in years past, and they've done a good job containing good offensive players in the playoffs with a similar roster in the past. But, um, like, Shifley's not playing at his best right now. He's playing good. He's not, like a top 10 center in the league right now or anything, though. Ehlers hasn't played in in three weeks kind of thing. Like, we'll see what they're getting when he comes back. Um, You know, like, these are just just two teams that uh, don't play with the puck very much, and the Jets are going to have to really, really make use of their time when McDavid's not on the ice. And, like, put it this way, the difference in the series for me is probably going to be the Jets' third line how good are they going to be in this series because if 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 Adam Lowry and and Mason Appleton can score uh, you know what i mean three goals every two games of this series there might be a fighting chance here but if they're held off the score sheet then i don't think there's much of a hope for the jets here unfortunately
0: okay well uh, that brings us to the uh, the end of the hockey talk i guess uh, the uh, first round of the playoffs kicking off this saturday the the rest of the playoffs kicking off the following wednesday it's a it's a pretty fucked up year but hey covet right i won't i won't blame anybody but like what what Panthers is the what is Lightning. the reason
2: that uh that the leafs and jets have to play tomorrow night like is it just because it's not fair to have playoff teams who have played 55 games and some that have played 56 and they both got the same amount of time off is that it or is it like well, to see if the Leafs win the President's Trophy? Like I don't, I don't get why well, we have to win play those games. They can, well, they can't win the I get why trophy, they wouldn't have canceled but, it in advance, right? But like yeah, now, I'm yeah. just saying, like I don't get why. I'm not gonna watch a game tomorrow
0: night. Are you kidding me? I mean, I have nothing else going on on a Friday night during a lockdown, so I could barely I get through the will, fucking but... Frederick
2: Anderson show there, and that that was the only reason I watched the game the other night.
0: Um. I don't know. Like, it's one of those things like, I think you're right in the big picture, but it's like, what else are we going to do? Well, cancel it and start
2: the, start the series on Tuesday.
0: But you're not going to do that because you're waiting for the Canucks and and Flames. You're not, you're not worried about the Leafs at this point. You're talking about the the,
2: Canucks. The Canucks and Flames are already playing while the playoffs are happening. Like the, the Leafs and Jets and Habs and Oilers are a separate entity at this point, right? Like, they have nothing to do with it. So if you're already going to play those fucking regular season games, what the hell's the difference if you play your playoff games for the teams that are already in it and they have no consequence on those other games?
0: I, I suppose you're right. Like, I, I see what you're saying. You know saying. what I mean? Like, like, just...
2: like I, I think I see what you're saying too. Like, you're, you're kind of looking at it like the North Division is still an active entity within the regular season. And I'm yeah. saying they're not. Like, those are playoff teams – and nothing that the Flames or Canucks do at this point will have anything to do with those four playoff teams. So let them play their little their little uh, preseason tournament there, and I'm sure everyone will tune in. Actually, I might because they play at one o'clock on a Tuesday. So what the fuck else am I going to watch when I'm bored at work? Um, but you know what I mean. Like I just like I'm looking at it. Like these are playoff teams. They're ready to go. They're ready to start, and they're waiting for yeah. what? Because they have a game left against other playoff teams that neither team gives a shit about and hopefully no notable players are playing in?
0: I would even take it one step further and, and say, like, if you want to play the Leafs-Jets game tomorrow night or tonight or whatever you, you're listening to this, I guess, um, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that because, you know, 56 games, every playoff team played 56 yeah, six, like Yeah, like I, play I get it that. For sure. I, I just don't get why we're waiting until the 20th. Like that, at least Jets games on the fourteenth. You could start them on the eighteenth. I haven't looked
2: into it, but I think I think the reasoning is probably that every team gets like five, six days off before their series starts. But I don't know that that's true. Okay, because nor- normally that's what happens with the regular season, right? Is is in a perfect year? There's fifteen games on the Saturday, right? There's usually yeah. one or two games on the Sunday. And if the, any of those involve the playoff teams, they don't play. They don't start their series till the Thursday, then. And like, every other, not every other team, but like half the yeah. series start on the Wednesday and half start on the Thursday. Then.
0: You're you're not wrong, but like just looking at it quick here on the NHL website, like the the series against the Wild, whoever it may be, starts on Sunday. So the, the Avalanche are playing yeah. two okay. on the yeah. 13th. Then start then start so. a Tuesday.
2: Like I get, I get what they're trying to do is they're trying to get leafs and halves on hockey night in Canada on a Saturday night. That's fine. Then play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Don't, you don't have to play Thursday, Saturday, start the series. And honestly, even as a leaf fan, I'd rather the Saturday night game be at the bell center. The bell center is fucking cooler than the air Canada. center I've never even been there. It's just a cooler building by the looks of things. That'd be, that'd be cooler to me than, than watching it in Toronto. Like even if we're talking about marketability here, like it makes no difference. So you can still have your cake and eat it too here. If yep. you cancel the regular season, but now we have to just sit here and it's like it's just like I hate the lack of continuity. I don't know if it's like a I don't know if I I'm, I'm having obsessive compulsive disorder here or whatever. But the it the the bothers only me.
0: the only thing that and I I doubt this is in the minds of the NHL brass but if you're trying to push this back as far as like humanly possible in the hopes that the further you push it back, the more likely you are to have these teams play in their own buildings come the conference finals, then sure. I'm on board with that line of thinking, but someone needs to come out and state that someone needs to come out and say, We want the Leafs or the Oilers or whoever playing in Toronto or Winnipeg or Edmonton because that's what we want and that's what's fair. And the longer we wait, the better it's going to be. And and that's our goal. That is fine with me, like if that's the end game here. But I have a hard time believing it is because for the simple reason that no one has said that publicly.
2: Well, but like, obviously that would be fine too. But if the difference here is going to be two days, I'd rather you take two extra days and fucking lack the continuity when the conference finals come, when the teams could use the fucking rest probably by then and, and worry about it then, than worry about it now. But maybe they'd rather not have to cross that bridge when they get there kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, you're, you are right, obviously. Um, you know, no one wants to see Toronto play or Edmonton play or Montreal play or uh, Winnipeg play out of fucking, you know, Columbus's rink or something. Like, I don't want to see that shit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't know how nice the hotels are in downtown Columbus, but I really would rather the Leafs not be spending every waking minute in a hotel or whatever team it may be. Because, um, yeah, the North, the, like, you know, it's a conversation we'll get into another week because we don't have a ton of time for it. But like the 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 playoff run is unquestionably going to be harder for the North Division than any other division for me, because whoever comes out of it, the fact that they're going to have to bubble like that, it's not going to be it's not going to be fun.
0: Yeah, thank thank God they have an easy schedule the first two rounds, right? <laughs> wait maybe not
2: (laughs) yeah you can make that argument regardless of what team you're talking about i guess because the leafs are soft and they suck
0: uh the overrated underrated favorite least favorite this week is leonardo dicaprio films yeah if you've heard of him well i don't know if you'd recognize him in a film but um yeah that's what we're doing
2: yeah uh it was from that new york post article the other day where it was like oh leonardo dicaprio is Fucking unrecognizable in the new Scorsese film, and they showed a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio sitting at a table uh, with a little bit of makeup on, in what seemed to be maybe like a like a 1800s sort of setting. Yeah, he's played characters from the 1800s before, so like it's nothing really fucking new. Killers of the Flower Moon is the what the movie's called. Yeah, so it, oh, that obviously sparked memes where everyone was just tweeting like, "Wow, Leonardo DiCaprio looks." fucking unrecognizable in his new movie and it'd be a picture of, like, Dana Carvey and Master of Disguise. So, that's what sparked it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, it was very confusing being on social media the day of that post article not having seen the post oh, article because people were, like, putting out images of, like, Lira, and it's, like, like a few of them were, like, deceivingly, like, wait, is this? Is that Lira? him? <laughs> like, <laughs> like... Yeah. Until I saw the original post, it was very treacherous waters for a few hours there on social media. There is
2: nothing worse than like 40 to 50% of your Twitter feed being a a running gag about something that's probably funny, but you missed the one original tweet. You missed, like, it it happens all the time in hockey stuff. We're like, I won't be on Twitter for like, it won't even be a long time. It'll be like 40 minutes and I'll miss one thing and I'll be like, Oh my god, the fucking uh, like I can't believe Quinn Hughes would say that. And it's just that shit over and over again. It's like, what, what did Quinn Hughes say? I can't find anything. You even type it in, and it's like all these angry tweets about Quinn Hughes, but no one quote tweeted or even took a picture of like what they're talking about. It's like I don't, I don't get it. You gotta, you gotta give your reader, like whoever's reading the tweets, got to understand what the fuck's going on, right? Anyway, you're overrated, Leonardo DiCaprio. Still, uh, gangs in New York
0: is that overrated?
2: Yeah, uh, it's oh, I mean okay. it's uh it's considered like one of not just his best movies but also fucking uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's best movies. And I'm I think it's the only movie that Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio's in that I don't think I have made it through the whole thing. I I think and even for a Scorsese movie. I find it so boring. I'm a big period piece guy. I even like the things that this movie's about. I don't know what it is. Like everything is geared towards me to like this movie and I just I don't know. It seems like it's good, but I just I don't I can't get into it. I can't do it. I don't I don't think it's great. So, that would be my that would be my pick.
0: Okay. Um I'll only push back a little bit because I've heard like the same thing. From a lot of people, like that, that just don't like that film. So, I didn't realize it was rated highly enough to be kind of, overrated.
2: considered one of his better movies. Anyway,
0: really, that's yeah. that's kind of wild to me. But yeah. uh, my overrated uh, DiCaprio film is The Revenant. Um, that's fair. He's he's fine in it. He's 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 good. It's not a good movie. The film itself is is not that like engaging like I, I watched it knowing that like i think i was one of those people that watched it after the fact that he won and it was like oh, okay i gotta watch this film that finally got dicaprio and oscar and yeah I was uh, pretty let down for sure but
2: hmm. yeah yeah i i can understand that i think i have such a uh like i'm just such an awe of the way that Ina directs his movies because I loved Birdman so much. And it's not even like the most original thing ever done. Like there's been plenty of movies that are shot where it's like kind of like a one shot sort of thing. You know what I mean? Where it's like all these different angles and like try to make the scenes look like they're shot, you know, two, three, four, seven minutes at a time kind of thing. Like, I love that shit. I think it's good. It's been done before. It's not like he's the one to invent it, but I think he's kind of perfected that way of filmmaking. And I thought the Revenant did that great, but there's not a lot of talking. It'd be one of those movies where I think if you saw it in theaters the first time, maybe it would be it would be a different appreciation for it. Cause I even was like, wow, I wish I saw this in theaters, but I didn't. So
0: I get it. It was very uh Drew Daddy winning the Norris for me. But <laughs> um you're underrated. Who did he win that over though?
2: Was there was there awesome. someone else? <laughs>
0: And then Carlson right. went up the next year when it wasn't quite as impressive.
2: Yeah, like, no, yeah. I, yeah. I always thought that Leonardo DiCaprio uh had beat Eric Carlson for the Norris, but I couldn't oh, I couldn't remember
0: for sure. <laughs> no, it was just like we're gonna give it to Leo because we don't know when he's gonna make another film again. And like he doesn't he make a lot loss. of
2: he doesn't make movies at like the the quickest pace or anything, eh?
0: Yeah, he should have won it with like Wolf of Wall Street and then didn't and they were all like, "Oh no, we fucked wow. up." So, yeah.
2: Here's the thing though with that. Like I like I understand where you're coming from, but like I I thought Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio far and away should have won that year. Like I don't think anyone was better than him. And I understand the argument that Leonardo DiCaprio gave like a best actor worthy performance in Wolf of Wall Street, but he was never going to beat the guys that he was nominated against. So it's like again, it's one of those things where uh, you know, it, it was a good year for it, the one year when he was nominated, and then he was nominated in 2015 against guys that he for sure would have beat, right? Like, 2013, he was up against Matthew McConaughey and Dallas Buyers Club, Christian Bale in American Hustle, Bruce Dern in Nebraska, Chiwetel Ojefor and 12 Years a Slave. Leo would have been fifth on my ballot there. He was great, but like, one of the best performances of his career, but that was like a year where it was like, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, I, I I guess you're right. 2015, like, year, it
2: was, like, I can't remember. It was, like, Cranston for Trumbo.
0: Damon, Fassbender, and Redmayne. Yeah, which, yeah.
2: Like, for sure, it's DiCaprio for me on that one. Oh, I was going to say, well, it is worth noting, too. Like, I, I don't even think I mentioned this. I, like, I, I don't really have a definitive answer, but, like, when people ask me who my favorite actor is, I usually just say Leonardo DiCaprio. I really like him. Like, I, I'm a big fan of his. So I've seen most of his movies. At least everything, like, post- 95 anyway and uh, uh, my underrated would be The Beach uh, The Beach gets uh, like, it, like it's not a great movie or anything like that but like it gets a lot of like flack when it comes to critics and stuff like that and like I will admit it's not like a, a perfect film but uh, I think it's a really good adaptation of um, you know whatever the novel was I didn't read the book either but like uh, I think it's just well done. It's it's a great location. It's an interesting story, and uh, I watch it all the time, and I always enjoy it. So it's a beach for me.
0: Okay, that is definitely underrated because I've never even heard of it. So oh, it's good. You should watch it. Um, I don't know if this is underrated. Like I, I kind of called you out on being overrated with uh, with your pick, but uh, my underrated is Catch Me If You Can. Nobody nowadays seems to know what this film is. No one seems to have seen it. It bothers me to no end. It's fucking fantastic. It's, it probably would have been my favorite if my favorite wasn't already highly rated. So yeah. yeah, Catch Me If You Can. Underrated by today's generation, I guess.
2: Catch Me If You Can fucking rocks, man. And I'll say, th- I'll say this about Catch Me If You Can. Like I don't have his uh, filmography in front of me gotta be my favorite spielberg movie i would imagine like i don't i don't i don't think there's a movie of his that i like more than that i'll try to get it in front of me
0: here but i'm i might argue with you on like the indiana jones front but you also like
2: saving private ryan i think more than you like catch me if you can no
0: that's probably pretty fair Yeah.
2: yeah yeah like it would it would be mine like schindler's list is awesome close encounters of the third kind is really good uh saving private ryan i really like the terminal like i'm a really big fan but i'm not going to sit here and say that it's my it's like one of my favorite movies for sure uh yeah no it's it would it's my favorite spielberg movie like it's it's very very good i considered it for uh my favorite but it it just couldn't squeak
0: in okay it rocks uh, speaking of your favorite
2: yeah uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or, in, or Inception, I guess. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's one of those ones where it came out so recently that maybe I won't like it as much in five, ten years. Uh, which, you know, uh, tastes change. But uh, Inception came out 12 years ago, and I still love it. And I think Leonardo DiCaprio's fantastic in it. And I think that movie, for whatever reason, Chris, Christopher Nolan, the Oscars don't seem to really like Christopher Nolan that much. And I don't really know why, uh, but I thought that movie was fucking awesome and uh, DiCaprio was great in it.
0: Uh, once Upon a Time in Hollywood for myself as well. Yeah. Um, you're it's you're an done. actor playing an actor that didn't exist during a, an event that did exist. It, yeah, Your least favorite. This is tough.
2: Well, it wasn't for me. I, I, I don't like Titanic. What? I don't like Titanic.
0: all
2: right well what, what what am I gonna like about it you know <laughs> like it's not it's not made for me like it's it's uh it's a uh, it's a uh, it's an it's a fine directed movie uh where I think some of the special effects did most of the heavy lifting and the performances were fine and like put it this way if James Cameron didn't make that movie, it would probably be a horrendous piece of shit, but James Cameron's pretty good so
0: Mm-hmm. I hate James Cameron. Um, well,
2: I don't like him either, but he's a good director. Like, I'll give him that.
0: I won't give him. I won't even give him that. Wow, so a better man than I am.
2: Really? eh? Okay.
0: No. Uh, my least favorite is Blood Diamond.
2: Okay. Just
0: not a not he's a great film. It? He's not good in it, which is rare. Yeah. I like the no, ax- I'll give you. I'll give you that. Thing really threw me off. Like. <laughs> Like, okay, here, here's a good example. I was, I was watching, uh, okay, we, we've all probably seen Olympus Has Fallen, big summer blockbuster film, Gerard Butler saving the White House from a, 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 a whole, you know, political thing that's going on. I don't remember the exact plot of the film, but I remember seeing it. And uh, I also saw the sequel because it was like, yeah, that, that movie kind of kicked ass, I'll see the sequel, and it didn't really kick as much ass. But they made a third one, and they also brought back Gerard Butler, who somehow forgot how to use an American accent, which was weird, but like they still went ahead with it where Gerard Butler is speaking in this half Irish accent for a character that two films prior you had watched do a flawless American accent. And then you're watching this thing being totally distracted by the accent and you, you can't even finish it. And eventually it just kind of came out that Gerard Butler like went on record saying that he doesn't know how to do an American accent anymore, which is like weird for an actor. But like, if, if you can't like, yeah, sure. Own it, admit up to it and and say that you can't do it and then move on. So then he put a film out a couple years later where it's like, yeah, it's in America, but I was born in Ireland. So I have this weird accent and it kind of worked. It wasn't great, but it worked. They were honest and upfront about it. And I appreciate honesty. Leonardo DiCaprio went into this film and they were like yeah you can do an African accent right and he's like oh yeah for sure and then he couldn't and um at no point during the production of that film do they decide well like hang on maybe we can just rewrite the character and 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 make him American they just went ahead with it and it was really awful and hard to watch and distracting and took away from some really good performances from other actors in that film but I digress
2: like, I love the movie Logan Lucky, but it was, like, one of the worst people to cast to do a southern accent ever uh, seems to be Adam Driver. And luckily, he doesn't have a ton of really long lines in the movie. It's kind of a, you know, it doesn't have to say much. But it was one of those yeah. things where it's like, I well, he also didn't have to catch Adam Driver or Adam Driver to play Channing Tatum's brother. There are people that look a lot more like Channing Tatum that probably could do a better southern accent than Adam Driver so uh other than that i love that movie but uh, that's one it's just like every every like 20 lines in that movie says something i'm like yeah that line bugs me every time he says it and then by the end of the movie you're like yeah i said that a lot during that movie
0: you no know, like at one point i would have said that liam neeson was my favorite actor and maybe not anymore <laughs> but i i should you not i am still a sucker didn't for li- a bad liam neeson film you didn't like I cold pursuit it on, like oh Eh, it wasn't great but you know what i mean like i I put on that i put on that um what was it time thief film the other night where like the whole trailer was like i'm a i'm a bank robber that like rob robs these banks and no one's caught me in all this and like the whole trailer is like leading up to those like big heist movie type of deals i'm like fucking fucking ain't right let's go and i put it on and i shit you not liam neeson did not rob a single bank in that entire film he just Tried to hand himself oh. into the authorities, and then went on the run. Didn't rob a bank, so not good. Irish accent, he's losing it a little bit. I get it; it's fine. It's not natural. It's COVID, but he owns it. You know what I mean? Like he 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 knows where he's at in his career. That's that's where I'm at with watching Liam Neeson. Films, you
2: so. you would have said that Liam Neeson was your favorite actor. I'm a, I'm a little more curious about that.
0: He was at one point. Like, you gotta remember, like, I'm a Star Trek uh sorry, Star Wars guy, right? Like I liked him in Star Wars. Uh Schindler's list obviously was big. Taken was huge at the time. Um, but then he just made like fifteen films that were the same as Taken and it yeah. sort of drop off after that. But I for a run there, like he was he was doing a lot of shit that I did like, um, by all accounts. And um It's not Mm. been good lately, but yeah. No, like I,
2: I don't, like there are some of those ones where it's just like Liam Neeson as a heist or Liam Neeson's like a fucking secret agent or some shit. And like, those are all, those are, those are usually not bad, but I watched Cold Pursuit last year with him and I think it's Laura Dern. Like it's someone good is in it and it was it was genuinely probably like one of the one of the 40 worst movies i've ever seen in my life like it was terrible i've seen a lot of movies too like it was just like this is fucking awful like it was terrible uh, yeah i don't i don't like but like my point is that usually those you know the non-stop uh, the one when he's on the train which might be non-stop but like there's the one on the plane there's the one on the train uh, taken i guess he's in an automobile like those three the plane's trains and automobiles ones those are fine but it was like once they put him on a mountain, I was like, "This is this isn't working anymore. This is not good." Yeah, it was bad. I'd
0: like to walk among the tombstones. That that was pretty good. Uh, I don't think I ever saw. Him it. I remember. Ra-
2: I remember you telling me though that it gets right fucked up, and I was just like, it yeah. always intrigued me. But I don't think I ever watched it.
0: Um, him as Ra's Al Ghul, I thought was really good for the he's good as Roger Al Ghul, Batman yeah. series. Yeah, um, he was. He was in the Gray, which I re- I really liked. The, the wrath, wrath of the Titans films; those were really good. Even like going back to when I was younger, like the A Team, him showing up as John Smith in the A Team, which was like a TV show that my dad was right into. It was like, oh fuck yeah, this kid's ass, right? But no, he's really dropped off the last uh, five years for me for sure. But at one point, would have been my favorite actor.
2: If you ever watch uh, Widows with uh, Viola Davis, and I guess if you're listening to this and you ever want to watch that movie, spoiler alert coming here. Like Liam Neeson is in he's credited, like it's on his IMDB credits. He's like part of the end credits and everything like that. But at no point on the movie poster, on the opening credits, anything like that, does it say that Liam Neeson's in it? And then three quarters of the way he shows up as like in flashbacks as Viola Davis's now dead ex-husband. And the literally the guy that the movie revolves around, kind of thing, but you don't know who he is, kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, like he's, it's a flashback scene, and they're having like this emotional moment. And it's Liam Neeson walks up and starts hugging her, and I am literally I am watching there because I was on in it was in quarantine last year. I had a couple drinks. I am like, how drunk am I right now? Like, is that Liam Neeson on the screen? And I literally had to pause it and lean in and look up on IMDb to see if that's Liam Neeson. I'm like, this fucking Liam fucking Neeson's doing a cameo in this movie, kind of thing.
0: It's crazy. Uh, a, a nice little way to to bring it back around to the beginning. Uh, Liam Neeson. Uh, the father of Leo DiCaprio in Gangs of New York. So there you go. There you go. Uh, this has been the Laced Up Hockey Podcast and our season uh, playoff preview of yeah. uh, the 2021 year. I, uh, as I was at the beginning, I'm still James Cole. You uh, can't find me on Twitter because I don't use my real name, but um, I'm there <laughs> if you look hard enough.
2: Uh, yeah, I'll make a point to tag James in the in the post of the episode this week, so that way you can follow Good. him if you don't already. Cool. Uh, I'm Bruce Vitagliola from the High Button. Uh, you can find me there or on Twitter or in the room of my house.
0: Forever, endeavor, endeavor. Yeah, well, you got to do what you got to do. Okay, until next lockdown, guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, we'll God. see you then. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're gonna make friends in no time. <laughs>
1: Out of here. We're just eat that. Leave us alone. Logic. che. Got a date with destiny. My heart says, yeah, but can't convince the rest of me. i tried so hard to make it with no recipe. My selfish ways caught up and got the best of me. I need redemption. No need to mention my past. Because all that matters now is bigger than diamonds and cash. The glitz, the glamour, the lights, the camera, the action. The stays, the fans, the speakers blasting. You know I want it. I need it. Don't doubt it. I can't live without it. This is everything I've dreamed of. It's everything I've ever wanted. But is it really truly in my past? But Put the guy, mix up my blueprints Did he have it right there in his hands? Anybody give me a hint? I can feel it now, I know it's coming And I don't give a fuck what anybody say I fall i a prison, I chose selected dismissed, and Incarceration through these bars created a prison And I intend to do the time that the sentence is given Twenty-five to life, yeah, that's how I'm living Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever make it But there's only one way I'ma know I'm like a seed planted in the dirt Feels like I've been waiting forever to grow And maybe today is the day And maybe tonight is the night But one thing that I know for sure This time I'ma get it right